Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Filmcast, a, me- a podcast about movies. I am David Chen, and I hope that the part of David Chen is played by Chris Kattan in the SNL sketch about the Filmcast. <laughs> Killing it. Crushing joining it. Me today, joining me today is Devendra Hardawar. I just want to know what Jordan Peele is trying to tell us. Get out! Us? Nope. <laughs> What's next? And Jeff Kanata. I'm Jeff Kanata, and I've been doing this podcast long enough that I know what it's like to work with a barely trained monkey that can go crazy at any moment. <laughs> wow. wow. Okay. Wow. No well, anyways, those are all, of course, extremely oblique references to the fact that today on the Filmcast, we're going to be reviewing Jordan Peele's newest film, Nope. You can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Now, uh, we're also going to be talking about what we've been watching, of course. But before that, a couple of announcements and a, a big discussion we're going to have in the opening parts of this podcast. First of all, on last week's episode of this podcast, we talked about a show on HBO called The Rehearsal. Um, which is a new show by Nathan Fielder. And it is so interesting and so thought-provoking and so (laughs) wild uh, that we are going to do something we rarely do, which is we are going to cover the show week to week on the Filmcast After Dark. So there's going to be six episodes. This week we're going to cover episodes one and two and then so on every single week for the next few weeks. That won't, be, re- that won't be the only thing we do in the After Dark. Correct. There'll <laughs> be other be topics. part of the After Dark. Exactly, yes. exactly. But it's so interesting, so thought-provoking and conversation-provoking that uh, I think we are going to dedicate a segment to the After Dark uh, for it each week. Um, so stay tuned to that, and you can access all After Darks and ad-free episodes of the podcast at patreon.com slash filmpodcast. So uh, again, the After Dark for the next few weeks will be covering the rehearsal, the new Nathan Fielder show on HBO. Now, in previous weeks of the podcast, we also discussed phase four of Marvel, the MCU, what they're doing there. And there was some conversation about this online, um, about whether we're being fair to phase four, giving phase four a fair shake and how well phase four is going. And this last week, uh, Comic-Con occurred. And so and basically invalidated everything we said. <laughs> <laughs> and so I thought, hey, let's go back, revisit our conversation about phase four that we had during uh, Thor Love and Thunder convers- uh, review. Uh, talk about the big announcements at Comic-Con this, uh, this year uh, that happened in Hall H with Kevin Feige. And of course, uh, I wanted to invite an expert uh, in Marvel Comics onto this podcast to join oh, us for today. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate that. He is the oh, co-host not, not me? No. of the amazing. It's not you. It's not you, Jeff. It's not no. you. <laughs> he is the co-host of the amazing Spider Talk podcast, uh, and he's also been my frequent collaborator on other podcasts as well. Dank Vosden, welcome back to the Filmcast. I'm so excited to be here to talk about Marvel, but I do, I do, Jeff, I do acknowledge your fandom and and knowledge that probably surpasses mine in a number of ways. Given no, that you, n- not you even reading close. them, you don't, you don't think so? No, I, I, I definitely bow to your expertise. I, I, I was being cheeky, but uh, no, I, I am uh, definitely, uh, I, I would consider myself an expert up to a point. I think that the point ended in the sort of mid 2000s somewhere for me uh you know like 20 2010 probably is the limit of my marvel knowledge you are much more up to date much more current but uh if you if you want to talk 90s 80s marvel comics 90s marvel comics even 70s marvel's comics whoo i'm your boy but uh beyond that 
Yeah, I got lemons. Yeah, so uh, that's what we're going to spend the opening segment of the podcast talking about before we get to what I've been watching and then our review of Nope. Now, I do want to say a couple quick things. First of all, um, it, I, I, like, I assume that Jeff and Dan and Devendra, I'm not going to include myself in that, will draw from their knowledge of comics in the following conversation. So <laughs> like, if you are really spoiler-averse, like, arguably some of the stuff we're talking about could be considered spoilers, but it's all stuff from the comics, and we're just going to be wildly speculating, so... Yeah. Uh, I think it's overall pretty safe, but I just want to acknowledge that, you know, some Although, people might find the spoilery. So. I have to say, yeah. our track record's been pretty good. If you go back in the, there was a, there was a podcast that, that we did uh, when we were out with, uh, associated with uh, Slash Film, uh, where uh, Peter and I, and I think you guys, I can't remember who else was on it, but uh, I think we pretty much nailed phase two and three like mm-hmm. we laid it out and uh, pretty pretty awesome like based based on very little information uh, i'm pretty proud of that actually so nice. you know maybe it nice. could be spoilers yeah and yeah, I, well, I i think if you know anything about the modern secret wars comic like yeah. a lot of the things that they announced you can really begin to piece it together pretty concretely yeah. right yeah so we are going to talk about stuff that could be considered spoilers so you have been warned um now, I also just want to acknowledge uh, none of us actually went to Comic-Con this year. I was reading the announcements, following along real time. Got to say, yeah. got a little bit wistful, guys. You know, it was yeah. kind of we killing actually, me. Yeah, we, yeah. We met at Comic-Con. All, th- all three of us met at Comic-Con. The main guys from the film cast met at Comic-Con for the first time. Um, really had a great time there. It was formative, you know, mm-hmm. in our yeah. development. Maybe next year. Maybe. Maybe soon. Maybe. I feel like it's been a decade, at least a decade for me since I've been there. So I'm ready. Yeah. On the, the one hand, is, I was really glad mm-hmm. to not be in a crowd of, you know, in these throngs of people camping sure, out overnight sure. to get into Hall H. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On the other hand, kind of miss it. Kind of miss the, sure. the excitement. Well, now they're doing the uh, the ticket system. They get, they get tickets at night, and then you, you don't have to camp out overnight, mm-hmm. technically. Mm-hmm. So it's a whole thing. Yeah. So I, I also want to acknowledge, by the way, that it is, to me, kind of hilarious the difference between the DC uh, Comic-Con <laughs> reveals and the marvel comic con reveals <laughs> it, you know it's like um we're still it, trying to find the flash uh he is somewhere he's loose in america and nobody think, can find him the think difference of a battle between having between, your shit together and not yeah, having your shit together yeah. think of a battle between an ant and the sun and that's kind of what the battle between dc and marvel is oh, like yeah. you're saying <laughs> uh, an ant man and a guy who gets his powers from the sun is that what you're saying mm, yes indeed indeed um but yeah, DC had uh, Shazam Fury of the Gods. They also had a Black Adam footage that they showed. Mm-hmm. Um, but Kevin Feige gets on stage and announces the following properties and release dates that I will now run down for you. So these were, these were not even all the announcements, what I'm about to say. These are just the major ones, okay? Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, coming out February 17th, 2023. Secret Invasion, Spring 2023. Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3, May 2023. Echo, Summer 2023. Loki Season 2, Summer 2023. The Marvel, Summer 2023. Blade, November 2023. Ironheart, Fall 2023. Agatha, Coven of Chaos, Winter of 2023 to 2024. Daredevil's Born Again, Spring of 2024. Captain America, New World Order, May 2024. And Thunderbolts, which will conclude Phase 5 on July 26th of 2024. That is a massive slate of films and TV shows. Um, so I, I want to start with Dan Gavazin, you know, and, and I'll, I'll link to a couple articles in the show notes that kind of talk about all these announcements and people can read about them themselves because we're not going to be able to go through every single one of these. But Dan, when you hear that list, what sticks out to you? What excites you? What doesn't excite you? What are your thoughts on it? 
You know, I'm really mixed on this because I, I, there's a lot of things that are like excite me in, in that list, but there's an equal number of things that I'm like, do people really want this or, or um, <laughs> like, uh, or, or they just kind of seem like legacy extensions of something that we've gotten before. And, and I think really the thing I have to kind of acknowledge is that like, for me with all the Disney plus shows, fatigue is really setting in. Like mm-hmm, I, I mm-hmm. look at this and I see like, Phase five is only 18 months long and it's got all of what you just listed, you know, which took you like a minute to list, yeah. you know, is it a and, phase if you don't even know you're, you're like ending a phase soon? Like it, it I don't know. It, it feels a little weird the way we're going through this. Are, are yeah. you saying that's a lot of things or it's a few things, Dan? What are you trying to say? No, it's a lot of things. I yeah. mean, it, it mm-hmm. just seems like there's no break from this stuff. And yeah, uh, at yeah. a certain point, like, I mean, I, I'll admit I haven't seen Thor yet or Miss Marvel yet. Um, because one, mostly because I just had a child, but, uh, it, you know, it, it, there's a certain point where it just kind of feels like homework. Like I want a different flavor of thing, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, <laughs> like, ha- like even me who reads every Marvel comic that publishes, oh, man. Uh, Damn, I, fatherhood I, has broken you. <laughs> yeah, <You're> just, <laughs> welcome to the club. Dan. Amazing. Yes. Welcome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, okay. I don't know how much of this is fatherhood speaking, but you know, like, and, and, and I could reference, you know, something like the interstellar uh, review, but uh, we, we won't go down that uh, uh, pipeline, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I mean, it's, I know there's all these complaints about like, where is this all heading? And like, mm-hmm. I guess I can kind of see where it's going, but it's more just like uh, keeping up with it all is, is like a lot. Like, uh, you know, I've just, in knowing that I was going to come on, I was like making a list of all the things like that I'm trying to keep track in, in my brain. There's like Kingpin and Julia Louis Dreyfus and what she's doing. And, uh-huh. You know, like there's just What's so up with many... fantastic four. Where the yeah. hell will be X-Men? Give me, give me the news that matters people. Well, <laughs> yeah. You know, Dan, I think you could, you could probably relate to this like friggin' comic books mm-hmm. because well, that, that's the thing. I was, it's a perfect comparison, but like comic books, you don't have to read everything. I very much feel like you have yeah. to read yeah. everything here. I don't know if I agree with that. Yeah. I think I think we are getting to a place where you can sort of pick and choose now. Like I, you know, I had a pull list for my all my adult life and I didn't read every every book, you know? And sometimes there's big crossover events where I was like, well, I wasn't reading that. And I guess I got to dip in, in in order to read the crossover event. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how the freaking multi-million dollar movie and TV show series are. You know, Didn't that kind of end like lead to the end of the big comic book like market, basically, like that whole thing of having too much stuff and nobody can keep up and really only the hardcore fans can like yeah. there was a reboot of the kind. And it feels like we're headed to a similar sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, there, there was a crash in the 90s. You're yeah. not wrong about yeah. that. But yeah, that uh, had there's to a do lot more of more with like, that, yeah, yeah. Sales yeah. and things like that. Yeah. Um, but uh yeah, I don't know. I just like it. It just seems like a lot, and um, I, you know, and I and I watch most of it, if not all of it, up to this point. But um, I I don't know. I just look at this, and it's like like that kind of announcement was normally like a like five year plan, you know, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, and yeah. now it's just condensed into eighteen months, and maybe that's the part of me I need to get adjusted to the part of me that's like I have I want to you know take it all in. Maybe, uh, maybe I can't anymore. Um, mm-hmm. 
and I don't know how much of that's related, again, like I said, related to fatherhood, but I, I don't think it's a lot to suggest that like these, whatever 11 titles in 18 months is a lot for anybody. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I, I kind of agree. I kind of feel like we're doing that right now. Like I started moon Knight. I was incredibly underwhelmed by moon Knight. I'm like, you know what? I'll put, I'll put you away in the closet. Maybe I'll come back to you another day, Oscar Isaac, but uh, I have other things on my plate. And maybe maybe he won't be a big deal, like in the broader span, uh, scan of things. Like I don't know. Um, yeah, but that's the thing. There needs to be like I wish yeah. there was some kind of guide where it's like Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania. Okay, to understand this, you need to have <laughs> I mean, watched Loki. Here's the reading materials for the class. Right, yeah. exactly. Hey, like, you're literally describing the complaint about comic book continuity. Yeah, that's occurred over the last. 40 years it's yeah it's still a complaint this is why i can't read comics i'm not even i'm literally not even jeff i didn't even phrase that as a complaint uh, because it wasn't one (laughs) i'm saying he's asking for the i'm saying can you please provide this for me professor can you give me the reading materials ahead of time let me be a better fan please sir what they need they need to announce the disney plus show that's literally just called previously on. <laughs> I mean, Jeff, it's I think a, you're... it's a weekly show or a monthly show where it's just that you just dip in and you go, okay, uh-huh. previously on. Yeah. Well, I think I, you're, I you're pitching the... yourself right now, Jeff, for it to host that, basically. I'm in. So. Yeah. I love that we're coach. getting like another season of what if, because I'm like, I don't even have time for what if. Like, I, I just have the time for like <laughs> what, what was. Yeah. What, what was. was. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So, um, so, so, Dan, put, putting aside the general <laughs> feeling of malaise and overwhelmedness, um, were there any specific things in that list that you're that that struck your fancy, or that you're like, "Ooh, that's interesting to me"? Yeah, well, I mean, here's where I'm going to sound like like a complete hypocrite, which is like, on the other hand, there's like seven things here that I'm really <laughs> excited about. You know, mm-hmm. um, so like, I mean, first of all, Black Panther: Wakanda Forever, that trailer that we got was like an all-timer mm-hmm. trailer, like Good stuff. Good legitimately stuff. beautiful, really exciting, something that like, I don't think any of us could have imagined what that would look like, uh, you know, post Chadwick Boseman's death. And like, I am like fever pitch excited for yeah. that movie now. And a, um, a couple quick thoughts on that, by the way. Uh, so Black Panther Wakanda Forever coming out this year. Uh, and the uh, trailer w- debuted at Comic-Con. Uh, we did get a message from a patron, Jeff Kanata, mm-hmm. saying, stay away from that trailer because it does have a lot of big reveals. I will say I watched, I broke down, I watched the first half of it. It's a good trailer and, to watch. And it yeah. was really, really powerful. It's like yeah. a really amazing trailer. So yeah. uh, great, yeah, great stuff. Anyway, mm-hmm. Black Panther, Wakanda Forever is supposed to close out phase four of the MCU. Something we just learned, apparently, yeah. too, which is so, weird. So anyway, yeah. Dan, sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. Yeah, and I, I think, Jeff, just, just to you in terms of spoiler-reverse stuff, like if you're someone that has read the uh, modern secret wars and the kind of Avengers comics leading up to that. Like Mm -hmm. you won't see anything there that won't surprise you in regards because it is very much setting up secret wars um, in a very oblique way. So very, very cool. um, I mean, very, very cool. And is secret wars the same as secret invasion? uh, Well, it's secret invasion is the prequel to the Mm. modern secret wars. Basically it's gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Secret Wars was and and the Kang Dynasty were the Avengers movies announced for Phase Six of of Marvel. Mm, yeah. Um, so that's Which where we're, extreme, we're headed. To me, that's the biggest. Yeah. Eye popping announcement from from Comic Con is we're headed to two more Avengers movies in the same year that are going to be big event culmination movies mm. and. That like I don't even know like who are the, even the Avengers? 
right? <laughs> right, right. So like, you're referring to the fact that uh, Fantastic Four is supposed to be released in November of 2024, kicking off uh, Phase 6, followed by the Avengers, the Kang Dynasty on May 2nd, 2025, and Avengers Secret Wars, November 7th, 2025. Correct. So that will yeah. that will conclude phase six, I believe, right? One Again, of the... where are my X-Men? What is <laughs> oh. what is happening? Guitar, well, a guitar riff from the 90s cartoon? You've done it twice now. Well, Davindra, let me point out that on this phase six slide that they showed, there were mm-hmm. 11 slots with only ah. three of them filled in. So okay. I, okay. I think your X-Men movies are coming. Well, um, and Feige specifically called that out. He had an interview with uh, comicbook.com um, where... You know, they said, I guess we have to wait till 2030 for X-Men. And he said, well, I'm not I'm not willing to wait that long. Mm-hmm. So it's mm. clearly happening. Yeah. Um, How about 2025? Yeah. Right. Get excited. And, and, and I, spoilers for Miss Marvel. Uh, you know, we got mutation mentioned in that show. So we are on the path there. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, we, what we speculated during our Thor Love and Thunder review and, and sort of our or at least my I'll, I'll just own it as being my complaint about this this current phase we're in, which felt like it was a little uh, haphazard and it didn't have a clear, uh, you know, it, it didn't it didn't feel le- like it was clearly leading to something. I, I mean, think you're still right, Jeff. Like, well, that Fe- Fe- Feige yeah. explicitly said like that was the plan. It was like we we're taking yeah. a break. We're taking a little. We had a phase <laughs> where it's just like. Yeah. Everything is its own thing. And we're not, you know, it, it's not mm-hmm. all building to an event. And then we're mm-hmm. going to return to that. And I'm like, oh, that's actually kind of rad. I like that every phase isn't leading to the big yeah. culmination yeah. movies, but, well, but there now. are some on the horizon. Yeah. 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 So yeah. M- more, more thoughts on phase four. Let's take a quick break. Thanks, some sponsors. We'll be right back with more talk about phase five and six, as well as how phase four is going. Hey, I got to jump in here and tell you about our sponsor, ClickUp. Imagine having... One extra day every week. Oh my, that would be my dream. Uh, more time to cook healthy meals, work on that novel, just binge some really good TV. Oh my gosh, if I had an extra week, I would, I would just sit in a hammock and read a book. Oh, now it's all possible with ClickUp, the productivity platform that'll save you one day a week on work guaranteed. ClickUp began with the premise that productivity was broken. There were too many tools to keep track of, too many things in entirely separate ecosystems. There had to be a more productive way to get through the daily hustle. ClickUp is the one tool to house all your tasks, all your projects, all your docs, goals, spreadsheets, and more. ClickUp is built for teams from one to over a thousand It's packed with features and customization options that no other productivity tool has. So you can work the way you work best. Whether you're in project management, engineering, sales, marketing, or HR, ClickUp has easy-to-use solutions that create a more efficient work environment. Join the more than 800,000 highly productive teams using ClickUp today. Use code FILMCAST to get 15% off ClickUp's massive unlimited plan for a year, meaning you can start reclaiming your time for under $5 a month. Sign up today at ClickUp.com and use code FILMCAST. Hurry, this offer ends soon. That's C-L-I-C-K-U-P.com 
and promo code F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T. Before we get to the phase four talk and how that's going, uh, you know, Dan Gavazin took some great notes for this conversation that he shared with me prior to the episode recording. And uh, it's it's important to note what's not in. Dave, um, eyes on your own paper, Dave. <laughs> what is not in, uh, has not yet been announced, right? And so um, here are things that have not been announced that Dan noted. Now, the, these have not been announced yet. Um, but they may be announced in the future. Dan, you want to read down that list? Yeah, sure. So we didn't get a new Spider-Man movie, um, although that seems inevitable. Um, This Halloween, we're getting a Werewolf by Night special um, that's going to be on Disney+, and many have speculated that will tie together the sort of horror uh, corner of the MCU and maybe be the introduction for Blade um, and and bring back uh, Moon Knight. And that was left off of the list, weirdly. Um, so I don't know if that means it's canceled or delayed, but I, I, I know people who are working on that. So I imagine it's coming. It just wasn't there. Um, Young Avengers wasn't announced. And I think anybody that's paying any level of attention to this stuff knows they've pretty much like, you know, introduced the entire team of young Avengers. So that's definitely happening. Um, there was no Shang-Chi, uh, sequel announced, um, which I imagined would be there considering the success of that film. Yeah. Um, now the Eternals is on the other, you know, on the other end of, of that spectrum, but like the end of that movie had like a kind of consequential moment with a celestial, so I imagine we're going to return to that. Maybe not in an Eternals movie, um, but there was no sequel to that. And Doctor Strange had no sequel, uh, you know, given the ending of that movie. Although maybe this Agatha series will check back in with whatever's going on there. Um, so like those are the big things that I was like, huh, I'm surprised I mean, we didn't get any of that. Ant-Man and Guardians of the Galaxy could very much involve Doctor Strange in some way as well. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, it's just they set up like like you know like the nightmare realm and 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 yeah. going back to face off Dormammu like that seems to me like a big deal enough to be its own movie and I know that Kevin Feige had a really good time making Doctor Strange r- reportedly so maybe they just haven't like settled on what it's going to be yet so they didn't announce it but um yeah I, I I was kind of hoping for maybe another bout in that universe with Raimi or something. Yeah, but it it is notable that uh, if we are following the Phase One and Two template, like we would theoretically get a Shang Chi sequel in Phase Five or something like that, you know, or even in Phase it Six. Could, but it as, could very well you, be one of those, you know, numerous unannounced mm-hmm. slots, right? You in know? Phase Six, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Like Captain Marvel made a billion dollars, and we she skipped a around, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. and even then, when she comes back, it's not like a movie ostensibly only owned by her. So yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I, I don't know. So go, going back to the question about like, is there anything here that, that is exciting to you, Dan? Anything else you want to mention about what's in phase five and six currently? I mean, I'm really excited for Ant-Man and the Wasp after not loving the first two Ant-Man movies, if only because it's a new creative team and you've got a villain like Kang the Conqueror confirmed. And I think that's really exciting. There was also a tease of Modoc showing up there. So like, I'm hopeful that that series could get a reinvention like Thor Ragnarok, like maybe just like punch it up a bit. And I know there's a bunch of people from Rick and Morty working on that. And I, that feels like the right kind of like tone for an Ant-Man movie. Um, uh, I am actually excited for Loki season two because like, I'm hoping that it can dial in a little bit more on Loki and 
while still kind of really feeling essential to this multiverse thing that it kind of kicked off in that series. Um, I think everybody's excited about guardians of the galaxy volume three. We know it's the end of this trilogy. And if there's one thing I think you can count on James Gunn for is that he always tries to find something to say with his movies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had tease of like baby uh, rocket that was shown in some of the footage there. Um, and there was a character dressed up as a villain called the high evolutionary that walked around hall H uh, threatening to dissect people. And I, I, I'm really excited to see like, how does gun close this out with like a, you know, a profound statement. And I, I think that's something we can reliably expect from him. Mm-hmm. So that that's exciting. Um, Blade is obviously uh, uh, exciting. We got a great director and star attached, and it's like a whole other avenue of Marvel that we haven't seen and a reinvention of a beloved character. Um, but the thing I'm most excited about, and I think Kevin Feige knew that everybody felt this way because he saved it literally for the last thing, was announcing Daredevil Born Again. Um, and I loved those three seasons of Daredevil as imperfect uh-huh. as they were, but you've got a great you know cast in, in that. And um, Born Again, I think, is the best story Marvel ever published. So do. no argument there. Yeah, it's incredible. So I'm I'm so excited about that. I think it might be kind of like a play on obviously like Homecoming, right? It's like we're going to rebirth Daredevil in some way, but like. We know he's going to show up in She-Hulk and we know he's going to show up like all around the place. So uh, in Echo as well. So I'm so excited that they're like, they gave him 18 episodes. Like that's both scary and exciting. Um, I actually feel like it's a bit of a missed opportunity to elevate the Daredevil character by making it a film, make it a, make it a theatrical release instead of a series. Like I had the Daredevil series. It's cool that you're, bringing this character back and you're using the same actor and yeah, it's cool that there'll be a new series, but wouldn't it be cool if you elevated that character into a theatrical character? I mm-hmm. think that would have been a real like promotion for daredevil as a, as a function of the MCU. We should I, say, I, we should say the big news, right? Is that daredevil born again is a new daredevil series for Disney plus that will stream in 2024. That has the original cast of daredevil that was on Netflix, right? Yeah. Um, they've kind of tread on the grounds of the born again story in the previous three seasons. So like, I don't know how much to take that as, uh, you know, a real selling point, but the idea of the born again story is really that like Kingpin discovers daredevil's alter ego and destroys his life. And he has to kind of rise from the ashes, uh, you know, there, and it's, it'll be a good opportunity, you know, to recreate the character, under what Marvel's vision for him. And may, maybe Jeff, that's it is they get him a season of the show only to launch him into movie status with this new status quo for him. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, for me, more dev daredevil is good. So 18 episodes of daredevil is great. That's and a crazy uh, number. That's a lot. That's crazy. Crazy. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially um, for right now when they're having trouble, like making six episodes of show that, that feel all worth it. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. yeah. 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 It just seems like such a like point into the outfield moment. <laughs> yeah. you know? Like, like yeah. we're so far away from that to be like concrete about 18 episodes suggests to me, like maybe they got something here. I I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's being hopeful, but you know, Daredevil is my second favorite Marvel character and that story is particularly excellent. So mm-hmm. um, I, I don't know. That was like a, 
really uh, thrilling moment uh, for me during the conference. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they had mapped out like where Daredevil, Daredevil was going to go at Netflix, like before they got canceled. So maybe, maybe we'll, they, they've already done a lot of the creative work. We don't know. Can, can well, I, I just like say Echo yeah. series has got to have him involved in it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Point two. Oh, definitely. Um, definitely. So, um, Jeff, what, yeah. what is what is the Echo series like? What is Echo? Who is Echo? Uh, Echo is a, a character idea? that Joe Casada and I believe David Mack created. Right. Um, That's am, correct. Am I wrong yeah. about that? Uh, mm-hmm. Dan? Um, uh, she's a badass ass kicker. Uh, she was in Hawkeye. What? She was in Hawkeye. She's in Hawkeye. Yes. Yeah. She's, she was yeah. introduced in the Hawkeye TV sh- series. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I guess she's getting her own series. But she's definitely that like street level daredevil, you know, that there's the the street level heroes like Spider-Man and Daredevil. And, uh, you know, um, the Kingpin is the bad guy for like street level characters. Uh, and uh, that it's very much one subsection of 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 the MCU of the of of the Marvel uh, world. And um, she very much interacts with Daredevil uh, in the comics. So I would assume that the TV show will sort of be in that milieu that, you know, rooftops and, and alleyways mm-hmm. uh, section of the MCU, you know, actually going the way Disney has been with the, uh, these shows in general, I'm speaking of the star Wars stuff too. Like that, that is clearly a daredevil lead in to like uh, Matt Murdock's going to be there a lot. Yeah, the the one thing that like out of all of this that kind of like has me questioning it is like the Disney Plus show announcements. Like Echo to me is like, does anybody even remember that character from the Hawkeye yeah. series? Like it was kind of like, oh, we're getting a whole series off this person that like I think is not particularly memorable. I mean, mm-hmm. that's not to say the show couldn't reinvent that character in a really interesting way. And like as much as Secret Invasion sounds exciting as a TV show, it seems really strange because like, sure. the whole idea of secret invasion is that Skrulls, you know, came in and replaced a bunch of the heroes, but yeah. with a TV show budget, I know you're not going to get the whole Avengers there. So mm-hmm. like, who are they replacing? Like, yeah, yeah. Who are they replacing? Now the idea that I heard floated out there is that somewhere it was confirmed that the Skrulls invaded during the blip. So all the people who are blipped come back and there's two of them now. And that's kind of cool. So, um, so maybe, it would be like back in time, timeline wise for the, yes, MCU? or at least they invaded during back in time. And now we're seeing the consequences where people are returning from the blip only to find out that someone was pretending to be them mm. having not blipped. Uh-huh. So, um, Interesting. It's a cool idea, but it does seem like a so real it's not the heroes. The it's, idea. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. more. It'll be more like invasion of the body snatchers than you know superhero super scrolls stuff. Yeah, I think I think that's accurate. Um, so, um, and like I don't know that I needed a whole show about Agatha. I mean, um, yeah, great character, but like that to me seems more like a hey, that song was catchy and became a meme. Let's put a show about this together yeah. so bring back the tv special like one episode of a fun thing you <laughs> yeah. know yeah 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 but no you gotta you gotta drive that subscribership and viewership to Vindra, you know so you gotta make a whole series out of this thing so mm-hmm. but we'll see you know there's no bad ideas only bad tv shows and films right so any anything <laughs> yeah. anything can happen with any of these things but it, there i think what you're saying is very few of these feel like they demand your attention right or, or yeah, at least of the yeah. things you just named right? yeah i mean there's a lot of it that i'm like i, I I could very easily be convinced, but like looking at the list, I'm like, 
oh, like these aren't really the things that I'm like screaming to go to the theater for, but, uh, you know, like, uh, far be it for me to not jump on the hype train in, in a few months from now. Um, I did want to shout out one more thing that I'm actually legitimately hyped for. Um, and because Marvel is really kind of like quietly kicking, like creating their own animation studio. And so we're getting a lot more animated offerings on the back of like, what if, and um, there's one that I think looks really great, and that is Spider-Man Freshman Year. Did you guys see anything about this? Yeah, show? no. Looks it really has cool. beautiful designs for its characters, like this kind of '60s uh, aesthetic, uh, modeled after like John Romita Sr., who was like the second guy to draw Spider-Man. And it's it was originally advertised as like, well, how did Peter Parker like? What was his first year as Spider-Man like? But and and I was made aware of this like about a year ago and have been quiet about it ever since. But um, the secret twist of this show is that it starts, uh, you know, in the Civil War era. And instead of Tony Stark being Spider-Man's mentor, it's Norman Osborn. Mm. And that actually to me is a really cool hook. And that's kind of what Bendis did with the ultimate Spider-Man stuff, though, right? Yeah, a little bit. Um, yeah, Norman kind of was behind him becoming uh, Spider-Man in that. But like, I'm excited. Like, what does that mean? Like, because Tony was like a mentor to that character. You know, mm. uh, we've seen a lot of instances where Norman is interested. Like, he's something of a scientist himself uh, in 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 Peter's uh, growth. But to be mentoring him, like, I think that's kind of an interesting flip on the, like, Uncle Ben ideas. Like, what if he had a truly toxic mentor? Mm. Um, so it's like an alternate reality, like, from, from the timeline that we've seen in the movies, basically. That's what it MCU. seems to be, right? Mm. Like, they, like, they advertised it otherwise, but I think they were hoping for this kind of, like, pull a rug out from under you kind of thing. So... Before we get to like talking about phase four a little bit more and then and then finish this off, I'm curious, you know, Jeff, you were saying it's like the comics where you can kind of skip the stuff that you don't want to see and then just watch the stuff that you want to watch. And like, do you feel like for people, normal everyday folk that don't follow the comics, uh, that this stuff will be comprehensive? Like, what is the experience of watching Echo going to be if I've never seen Hawkeye? Will that be okay? You know, like kind of. I mean, I think you, that's a, that's an yeah. open question, right? That will Echo stand on its own as a thing? I think it does, but I it it seems to me, and you can disagree, but it seems to me that Marvel Studios con uh, continues a, a general plan of the theatrical releases are mm -hmm. the big moments the big mm -hmm. things and the disney plus shows kind of fill in gaps right you could you guys may disagree but i think you could probably still glean what you need to glean by just going to see dr strange in the multiverse of madness without having seen the vision of scarlet witch show mm. i think that would be much worse as a movie if he did that but sure you could well, I, th I just think i'm sure a lot I, of people are yeah yeah, I don't it, think it's essential viewing necessarily. I think it fills in things and it's certainly yeah. additive, but it it seems to me that mm -hmm. the the TV shows are still a a, a half step back from the big theatrical mm -hmm. stuff and we we the people that, you know, get excited about Comic-Con panels and lo looking at timelines and see all this crazy stuff, go, "Oh my god, it's so much." But I think the average person doesn't feel this requirement to see everything, but mm -hmm. they get more if they, and I, I, I do really feel like it's, it's much more like 
comics where yeah, there's going to be yeah. these big events that pull on a lot of different, you know, disparate setups. But if you're just reading or watching these big moments or you're going to the movies, you know, a couple of times during the summer, I don't think it's necessarily uh, mm -hmm. less than you're not missing anything. Per se. I, yeah, I, I, I think there's well, so much plot there, though. Uh, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Dave. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to, to Devinger's point, I think what ends up happening is we get some really clunky mm -hmm. exposition in the movie itself. Right. Mm. So they like or, they or none at all. It. Like yeah. Doctor Strange did not explain. No, no, no. Well, it's like it's like, hey, are you here yeah. about what happened in that town? And he's like, no, I'm not here about what happened in that town where you took over everyone's mind. You know, like it's mm -hmm. it's very awkward and clunky, but they do kind of. Uh, they, I, I think they do. I, I agree with Jeff in that they're they're uh, they're taking the position that the person sure. hasn't seen the show, right? Sure. And they're trying to fill in some of the gaps, but like it's gonna be whatever they can do in five to six lines of dialogue, and then yeah, they're yeah. just gonna move on, basically. Yeah. Right. Because the so, show, like, I haven't loved all these shows, like uh, especially like uh, what was it Falcon, Falcon and Winter Soldier, but major things happen. You know, important yeah. characters are revealed and introduced, and like. I, I don't know if it's important for everybody to do it, but I think like for people who care about the comic stuff, then yeah, they're kind of required to. My thing is it feels less and less like, like this first batch of shows felt like a requirement to watch almost like the, these were characters we know from this, from the movies and everything. Now they're doing shows about side characters from these shows that were introduced. And that's the point where I, I may check out a little bit. Right. It You're also, saying because yeah. there's characters from like the main movies, you know, yeah, like the yeah. Avengers, like WandaVision, those are characters from the Avengers and so on. Okay, it's like, yeah. you, you feel like you got to watch those because you, you got like yeah. all those characters, like especially the new characters that will take over the mantle of Hawkeye or everything that happened in Loki. Like Loki is so essential. Just basically, like the foundation of everything yeah. they're going to be building right so i i don't know i just don't, don't quite feel that way but i will say it feels like um they sure have perfective like cultural um choose your word for it for me it feels like suffocation it feels like <laughs> I, I get back from the movie i got the show the show's done get another show oh the movie's back there's another movie you go to the movie so that it, Disney has just mastered this. Like I know this mm -hmm. is Kevin Feige and everything, but it's Disney enabling just relentless cultural domination. And uh, that kind of worries me. Like there mm -hmm. is no break anymore, guys, no more rest. Mm -hmm. yeah, I just mm -hmm. think there's no way that fate fatigue doesn't set in. Yeah. At some point. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's what I'm like, saying. I mean, star to star Wars. It took what two movies for people to be like, all right, we, we don't need this much star Wars, you know, and, and for Disney to kind of scale it back a bit. Um, and now we're, ramping it back up but uh, i mean maybe well, marvel started this way and so people mm -hmm. are like that's the m the means of consumption but uh yeah i, I don't know mm -hmm. the the only pushback i'd give on that i, I genuinely generally agree with that i think uh there will be you know there there has to be a, a peak <laughs> and then it has to you know they, it can't it, they can't maintain this cadence i don't think but where i my counter argument to that is the difference between a Star Wars or, or literally anything else is that they do have this benefit of having wildly disparate tone and, you know, these corners of the universe. Like the Blade movie is not going to feel anything like the Guardians of the Galaxy movie, right? And and I think that's to their benefit, right? They have this, this yes, they're all superheroes. Yes, they're all interconnected in this universe. And yes, there can be a fatigue in, oh, this guy knows that guy and who, who's, who's this other person and this character is common between the two. But you're getting fairly different experiences or at least different tones in the experiences 
between a you know a Captain America and an Ant Man. You know, it's, it, they're not the same movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's I, a fair I, point, but you know, you know, I love raining on Jeff Kanata's parade. You know, you yeah. know what the Blade movie is not going to feel like, Jeff Kanata. Man. The Wesley Snipes Blade movie. Which I'm is rated, already have that. the Blade movie. Yeah, yeah. W- which is but which is rated R and wild and really out there. And yes, I am also kind of dreading the Blade movie because I I think if it's rated PG-13, it just feels like it's probably going to be feel really safe and, and there, there's a lot compared to what we came there's before, a you know? lot going on there just because of Sounds where like what somebody blade... didn't have morbid time this summer yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> you need your vampire fix yes but yes no blade totally so in true. particular like let's let's think back to blade right i we we are the blade generation i guess right like blade was like pre-matrix really it was the time when nobody gave a shit about comic book movies and yeah. blade came out and kicked a ton of ass and that right. movie meant a lot to me as a kid same wesley, yeah. yeah wesley snipes uh embodying that role like no matter where things went, we will not talk about Blade Trinity, but Blade 1 and Blade 2 mean a lot to me. So I, I'm just worried. All I can say is I'm worried. I love Mahershala Ali. I, I'm i worried that, uh, I mean, th- th- he he's going to be 50 in, in a couple years. You know, like, I, I don't know how much ass kicking this Blade will do. And Mahershala is not an action guy from what we've seen. So that's my one worry. You know, um, yeah, well, I'm worried Wesley about Snipes the tone. was the big action guy in the tone in general. Everything. Right, I'm, I'm worried about the tone. I, like if you I, I went back and rewatched Blade and yes, it's very 90s and there's a lot of problems with it, mm-hmm. but it feels so wildly inventive and out there compared to a lot of Marvel output these days, in my opinion. Um, and obviously, Jeff, you probably disagree. That's OK. Well, but like, you, I, know, you know what else feels wild and out there compared to Marvel's output? What? Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Sure, sure. Yeah, I'm, okay. I'm glad we we are getting to the point where they they are doing you know more unique and different things. Yeah, but well, Blade is even far more out there. Yeah, a, a couple more thoughts about Phase Four, but let's take a quick break. Thank another sponsor. We'll be right back. We'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Microdose Gummies. You've probably heard about the idea of microdosing when it comes to CBD and THC and a few other things. It's something people do to, you know, help themselves feel a little healthier and have less anxiety. Microdose gummies deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel, you know, just the right amount of good. I've talked about taking them before when I was traveling, you know, and doing, uh, you know, crazy work things. But these days, it's, you know, basically just the news and juggling two kids. It's really making it tough to relax. And I do love the microdose gummies. You know, they taste good. And they just give me a nice dose of relaxation, you know, when I need it. Microdose is available nationwide. To learn more about microdosing THC, just do a quick search online or go to microdose.com and use code FILMCAST to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Links can be found in the show description. But again, that's microdose.com and code FILMCAST. All right. Before we conclude this conversation, uh, I, I do just want to talk a little bit about Phase Four. We talked about it in our Thor: Love and Thunder review, um, and I did want to acknowledge, you know, Jeff, what you were saying about um, Kevin Feige saying like they're trying to have each movie do its own thing. And I, I think that I, I do want to acknowledge. I think I was being a little, I was being a little bit unfair in our discussion of Phase Four during that. You. <laughs> have you ever heard of uh, being graceful in victory, Jeff? Um, uh, the the point being, I think that with. if you compare this point in phase four with like, like if, if we assume that Marvel uh, phases are organized in trios, right? Like phase one through three, phase four through six, right? Each of which culminates in a big sort of Avengers blowout. Um, then I Dude, think- Are like, we literally if, talking about trilogy of phases? This is yes. what, what world are we in right now? 
I but mean, I, this I, is what I'm saying, Jeff. Yes. <laughs> I think if you madness. Can, if, if you compare where we are in phase four with where we were in phase one, like the, in the, the analogous right, right. phase, um, then it's, it's just fine. It's doing just fine. You know but what I mean? Even then they were like, uh, these stones. Got these stones everywhere. But like, they Those were are barely hinted at. Like yeah, Thanos yeah. was just a glimmer, and so you know Kevin Feige's eye at that point. You know, I think that um, Phase Four has done a pretty good job of keeping these stories fairly independent. There's not that mm-hmm. much that ties in with a broader narrative, and that's okay for this point in the phase. So I've kind of come around a little bit on Phase Four. Mm-hmm. I still feel like uh, you know there, there's a a bunch of movies I didn't like in phase four, but you know, more I let's put it this way. I didn't like more movies in phase four than I didn't like in phase one. Right. Um, but, uh, I think that when it comes to like planning out the broader narrative, uh, it's doing just fine. Dan Gavazin mm-hmm. curious, like your thoughts on phase four and how it's going. I mean, I think all that phase four is missing is a big Avengers movie to cap it off. Like it feels like it. I think the TV shows make it feel a little more all over the place, but, um, Especially since we've got like competing multiverse stories, like between Doctor Strange and Loki and Spider-Man, like none of those multiverses really feel like they're talking about the same thing. Right. But um, and and I feel like an Avengers movie dealing with the multiverse or something probably would have fit in pretty well here to kind of consolidate some of that stuff because yeah, like there, there is no avengers like the avengers ended phase one theoretically mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. there is no avengers equivalent that's going to end phase four a we, phase we four gotta, we with- gotta bring back some tv specials like the avengers <laughs> christmas special your gift but, is the multiverse it's let's, just let's that musical fun. that we got yeah. from hawkeye um that would be amazing <laughs> but uh you uh, see <laughs> ant-man there's Christmases across every universe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah like, Black, like, Black Panther Wakanda Forever will end phase four. So that is, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. it's going to be awesome. It's going to make a billion dollars, but it's not an Avengers film, right? Yeah. I mean, who so. knows? Maybe, maybe there's some multiverse stuff in that. Oh, I yeah. really doubt Apparently it. Apparently it's an Avatar movie. From yeah. what I can tell. <laughs> it uh, it <laughs> looks very much like an Avatar movie. That's there true. are blue people in that. Um, like bluer than I expected. Yeah. But yeah, that's the only thing that's really missing for me. Like I, I imagine like phase five Thunderbolts is going to be like the big Avengers movie of, of, of that phase to close it out. Um, uh, but you know, we'll, we'll we, see when we get there. Um, we haven't even talked about Thunderbolts, Dan. No, no. Like who the hell is in this Thunderbolts movie? I, I what, think what I, is, I, is I think I know half. Yeah, yeah, let's, let's explain yeah. what Thunderbolts is for those who don't know. So Thunderbolts can someone, Hit me it's up with basically a bad guy team. Mm-hmm. But but uh-huh. here's the interesting thing, uh, 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 Jeff, is in the uh, like advertising of it. If you like read on like Marvel's site discussing what this Thunderbolts movie is, it says a new team of heroes. So uh, this is a spoiler for Thunderbolts that I don't know how they're going to be able to keep under wraps yeah. if they're trying to is that it's ostensibly a team that looks like a team of heroes, but is secretly made of villains. Right. Um, mm. It's and, Mormon time, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> 2024. So, so that, that movie will conclude phase five in July of 2024, theoretically. Yeah. Right? And I think that's what Valentina Allegra de Fontaine, the Jewy Louis D- Dreyfus character is doing. Like he's assembling that. Yeah. Julia Louis Dreyfus. Yeah, sorry, Julia. So I, I think what yeah you know, we've got like you know like the new Black Widow, U.S. agent. Uh, I, I think Taskmaster will be on that because why do you get like a a 
big actress to do such a minor role. That's true. Yeah. And um, I imagine Abomination will be on that team because they've been kind of bringing him back and, you know, like kind of in the background and we know he's going to be in She-Hulk. So, um, you know, I'm just kind of looking at like loose end villains that you could see kind of repurposed. And I think that's probably where that, that is headed. But like, I really wonder if they're going to try to pull that trick on audiences by like marketing it as a movie about heroes. But I don't know how you keep that rabbit in the hat for yeah. something this big. So. I mean, after two suicide squad movies, we're kind of used to it too. <laughs> yeah. The bad guy team people. Yeah. We, we've yeah. been through this. Let's do it again. Yeah. As somebody who doesn't follow the comics as closely as, as you guys, uh, I find this to be overwhelming, you know, like this uh-huh, whole uh-huh. conversation and uh, suffocation. Just like, I am, I am questioning whether they can keep the quality consistently high. I'm questioning how much they can make these things into events that people must watch, but maybe we are moving to the model of, Hey, just watch what you want. And we'll mm-hmm. explain the stuff you missed in three to four lines of clunky dialogue in the movies. You know, obviously I'm going to watch all the movies. So, um, <laughs> We'll see uh, how that goes. Yeah, but, I mean, yeah. I think I think Captain America: New World Order, which we also haven't mentioned, will be the kind of test case, right? Yeah. Like suddenly, right? You, so, got so a, what? It, what is that? Is it a TV show or a film? It's and a when film. is it coming up? It's yeah, a so, film. It's, so yeah, and it's one of the final films of uh, Phase Five, um, right before um, you've got the Thunderbolts, and you know, it's Anthony Mackie, you know, as. Captain America, you know, the Falcon becoming Captain America, which ostensibly we saw in a TV show, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But uh, if you read the press about it, about this new movie, it's like, you know, about him taking the shield. So are they going to repeat those beats or are they just going to jump right into it? And, you know, I think Falcon and Winter Soldier is a pretty perfunctory show. Um, mm-hmm. you could just have him with the shield and no one would miss a beat after a- Avengers Endgame. Sure, sure. So you, yeah. you will miss uh, somebody wearing the Captain America suit and decapitating somebody <laughs> on live TV. You will and, miss that. And you'll miss the boat with scene. the shield, with the shield. <laughs> you'll miss all yeah. the boat scenes. I mean, everybody yeah, was there for the, the boat boats. scenes. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you know this, but it's hard to make money after you're an Avenger. You know, you can't just, uh, set up a cameo account like Jeff Kanata, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, obviously the boat scenes are, are the, are the least of like my issues. Uh, <laughs> I just, I hope like looking at the, this whole roster of things, I, I look at blade. I'm like, what can I get excited for? Probably blade. Um, I hope there's a spark of like genuine, like inspiration, innovation. And in these like, that's my thing. I just don't want to feel like we're going through the cookie cutter line of movies towards, towards the thing. So like when yeah. you brought that, I forget if it was Jeff or Dave who brought up the fact that it felt like we were kind of meandering. I was fine with that. Meander. Let's wander a bit. Let's explore these universes. Miss Marvel is a goddamn miracle. I don't. Mm-hmm. I never thought we'd see a show like that. Um. So I hope there is room for creators to, you know, do more like they did, like Sam Raimi did with with uh Doctor Strange. Yeah. I I am excited about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Like the the whole saga behind that. We haven't really mentioned that, but obviously there was a big controversy with James Gunn, and now he he finally is back at the helm of the series, the franchise. And, uh, and I think a lot of the stuff he's, he does is genuinely pretty interesting. So like, I'm pretty excited about that. And I'm excited about Jonathan majors as Kang. Like he is a great actor and I mm-hmm. think it's going to be really interesting to watch what he does with that character. So there is a lot of stuff to get excited about here, but it is a lot of stuff. So anyway, uh, I think we can wrap it up there, but Dan Kavosten, we're really grateful for you joining us and sharing your expertise with us. 
and this is what people could expect to see in theaters for the next two to three years. Is this theaters you know, and TV yep. and in the bathroom and in the shower <laughs> and you and close your, your bedroom, eyes yep. when you close, close your, your eyes. eyes it, yeah. The last thing you see before you die is going to be phase eight, probably. Yeah. So anyway, Kevin Feige uh, appears. The <laughs> what final do you know, David? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Dan Austin, where can people find more of your work on the internet? Yeah, sure. You can uh, follow me online on Twitter. At, I'm at at Sup Spider Talk, and I host a Spider-Man podcast called The Amazing Spider Talk. Uh, we're celebrating the 60th anniversary of Spider-Man this year, so we've been doing all these kind of retrospective pieces about Amazing Fantasy 15. We have um, Marvel lead editor Tom Brevoort coming on to go panel by panel through Amazing Fantasy 15 with us and talk about the history wow. of that comic. So. It's going to be a lot of fun if you know a little or a lot about Spider-Man and you want to learn more or or hear some interviews with creators that, uh, you know, created the character and have shaped him over the years. Uh, come check us out at the Amazing Spider Talk podcast. Dan Austin, thanks so much, man. Really appreciate it. All right, let's move on. Let's get to what we've been watching this week. Um, so I had a couple things I wanted to mention. First of all. I don't know about you guys, but I've been really feeling the absence of uh, Top Gun Maverick in my life. You know, I saw <laughs> Maverick three times, uh, and yeah. Uh, yeah. and it is no longer playing in IMAX at my local theater. And instead, we're getting movies that are worse than Top Gun Maverick. You know, and at at some point, we're gonna have to uh, we're gonna have to reckon with your love of Tom Cruise, Dave. Mm-hmm. It is. Mm-hmm. On a level that I don't think we've reckoned with yet. I, I, I mean, think. listen, we we've all got our cruise, cruise spots, <laughs> cruise crush? blind spots yeah. here. Cruise uh, crush. Need, need I direct you to the Mummy? Which oh uh, yeah, no, you're no, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. People in glass houses, I get it. But um, <laughs> I'm just saying, uh, if you look at the films over the last decade that Dave has seen <laughs> upwards of you know half a dozen times in the movie theater, chances are they they start Tom Cruise. You know, it's true. That's true. It's true, and yeah, I have I've seen a lot we of his movies. Can't help I mean, that he's making good movies mo- <laughs> most of the time. He's showing us something real, Jeffrey. He's yeah. showing us something real. You know, I'm just asking when you uh, when you get your thetans out. That's all I'm asking. Mm-hmm. When, when... Mm-hmm. So I was really bummed that I couldn't see Top Gun Maverick again in glorious IMAX. I'm I'm still betting there's going to be the opportunity to do that. Sometime mm-hmm. by the end of summer, you know, that I mean, we're going to get yeah, some kind of re-release yeah. is my guess, but we'll see. There, there's kind of an IMAX lull in the fall, too. So they're, they're yeah. going to milk that. A lot of opportunities. A lot of opportunities. Um, I have heard that Top Gun Maverick is going to be out on video on demand in late August. I think uh, third, fourth week of August is going to be out. So looking forward to that. But um, I've already seen Spiderhead, which was not very good. So I thought, let me watch another Joseph Kaczynski movie. Only the Brave. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which heard, was a heard movie, good things. Yeah. Yeah, which is a movie that came out in 2017. It kind of bombed at the box office, didn't do super well. Uh, it stars Miles Teller and Josh Brolin. And uh, they play uh, people from a fire uh, and rescue crew in Arizona. It's based off of a true story. And this movie is great, guys. Um, really? You know, this movie is actually yeah. so good that it haunts me that, like, you, you ever like watch a movie and it's so good and you're like, wow, I can't believe like virtually no one has seen this. Yeah, you know, like yeah. Um, that it's like somebody can make something that's so good and powerful and moving. Yeah. But it's like th- this is a movie that didn't do super well at the box office. It doesn't have mm-hmm. much sort of cultural relevance. Like I don't see people talking about it all the time. I, I guess um, Kaczynski got his revenge, though. 
Yes. He, well, I mean, he owns imagine, this gym. Yeah. Like the guy's been working for like over a decade. I remember when um, they promoted Tron Legacy for like three yeah. years in a row at Comic Con, based you know? on his like little short uh, conceptualization of it, right? So yeah, yeah. And uh, Tron Legacy came out, didn't do super well. Oblivion came out, didn't do super well. It did okay, but it didn't do super well. Mm-hmm. Um, Only the Brave came out, didn't do super well. Then finally, like after um, mm-hmm. after a decade, Top Gun Maverick is the biggest film of the year. You know, and um, all all first all those three movies, by the way, uh, very very watchable. Like uh, yeah, 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 yeah so. totally. I, I mean, found Tron very disappointing. Yes. Personally. Uh, I agree, but, I, but there's some I think cool Oblivion visual ideas, is, and you can Oblivion's always super underrated. Oblivion's great, yeah, and yes. and yeah, we but you can know. count on all Joseph Kaczynski movies to be dazzling visually. I think, mm-hmm. and only the Brave is no exception. I, I, I would say that again. I don't want to minimize like the the fact that it is based off of a real life story, but only the Brave um, it feels in many ways like Top Gun Maverick, but with uh, fire rescue crew and mm-hmm. uh and it, it, even the music is similar like some of the plot beats are similar the music is similar like it feels very similar again acknowledging that it's based off of a real life story and uh and that i think it does a really good job of honoring uh the the work that those men did in that the movie's based off of so i think if you're looking for like a powerful story of um men who made enormous sacrifices to help people to to save others uh, you should check out only the brave. Like it's really about like the relationship between these men that develops, and uh, it's very heartwarming and moving. And also the fact that they are fighting against a massive force of nature, mm-hmm. which is the, to say, the thing they love will consume them and could kill them. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know about love, but like they're just trying to like help people. You know, what I mean, they they want to. They love the fire. Yeah, Can't run they, away they, they they love fighting the fire. You know, they see the fire <laughs> as like a, a foe to be surmounted, mm-hmm. and so. Um, only the brave uh, i bought it on video on demand a long time ago and i think it's a great film i think it's a great film and you should watch it if you can and if you're trying to scratch that kaczynski itch um this is one of his better films i would actually say this is my second favorite uh, maybe third favorite behind oblivion because oblivion is pretty cool um but yeah it would be top gun maverick then oblivion and then only the brave check it out if you have a chance i also had a chance to watch blown away season three uh and i just wanted to mention to you guys blown away and i've mentioned every single one of these seasons whenever it's come out blown away season three is available on netflix it's a glass blowing competition reality right yeah this this is a show that by the way uh i keep being like blown away that must be a cool show that must be about explosions or something it gets me every time no well it's (laughs) because that movie the the, uh yeah blown away jones um, yeah the 1994 yeah. Stephen Hopkins movie. Yeah, I yeah, just want to go back um, to that. You know, yeah. Right. Isn't <laughs> Jeff understand. Bridges in that too? Jeff Bridges? No. Yes, Jeff Bridges. Yes. Is uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I remember. Uh, I, I remember the trailer. First of all, watch the movie. It was decent, but I remember the trailer for the 1994 Blown Away film had this amazing line in it where like Tommy Lee Jones is this explosive expert, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, there was a line in the trailer that said, this guy knows how to make bombs out of Bisquick. And <laughs> I didn't even know what Bisquick was, you know? I was like, what is that? And it's like, I believe it's like a breakfast mix of some Pan- Pancake it's batter. Pancake mix. Yes. So anyway, uh, it's about this guy who's really good with bombs. And he knows yeah. how to make It, it was a pre-Hurtlock pancakes, Dave. They're great. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway... Uh, it would be cool though three. if it was a movie about Jeff Bridges and Tommy Lee Jones blowing glass. 
just making intricate sculptures. All I, day I keep long. thinking I, it's going to be that, you know, I, like like I the, the movie about Daniel Day Lewis uh, making shoes. Where's that movie? <laughs> <laughs> Here's what's great about Blown Away is you know there's reality shows where you start watching them, you're like, I don't. There's nothing in my life that would make me predisposed to be interested in glass blowing. But then you watch it, and by episode five, you think you're a glass blowing expert. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> you're talking you're about like, Dale oh, wow. Chuli all day long, right? It's like rough technique on that, you know, thing that he did. You know, <laughs> and uh, and that's what like a, I think a fun reality show can do. It can like seduce you into thinking you know more than nothing about this art form, right? Uh, and I think Blown Away does that. And what's fun about Blown Away is basically like they ask you. They they do ridiculous challenges like. Today, your challenge is to um, make a piece of glass, make a glass sculpture that exemplifies human progress, you know, and like they have five <laughs> hours to make a sculpture that looks like that. Yeah. And uh, and the, the things that people come up with are wild and there's like mm-hmm. they judge them and so on and so forth. So anyway, I think it's a lot of fun. And um, my wife and I literally fast forward from the beginning of the show until the end of the show where they reveal the creations. We don't need any of that stuff in the middle. Uh, and it's good. Wait, enough. so you're not uh, actually watching the show. You're just, yeah, yeah, that's you're, you're like we're, mainlining a TikTok version it. of the show. Speed watching. Speed watch. It'd be like watching the great British baking show without any of the commentary in the middle. I so, think most reality shows would work well that way. <laughs> if you watch the first two minutes and the last two minutes and that's uh-huh. all you need. Everything else is I just... Mean, well, what will happen in those last two minutes? Well, yes. I, I can fast forward to them. This will There's, be all culture. Like all culture will be TikTok shows moving forward. Yeah. Yes. yeah. I mean, if only there's there was... also a lot of extremely terrible glass related puns, Jeff. Um, I was watching. I was like, man, Ooh, Jeff Canato would be great. I'm great into it. For this, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, you, was the yeah. glass half full or half empty? Dave? Mm-hmm. There you go. There you go. Um, uh, I do think, though, that, uh, Dividger, did you just pitch Quibi to us? <laughs> I just pitched Quibi. Um, I, I was also thinking, um, man, the legacy of Iron Chef just stretches mm. so yeah. far. Mm-hmm. So far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so it, it reminds me more of Top Chef, to be honest with you, this one, than sure, Iron but, Chef. But, but Iron yeah. Chef was all about, like, they introduced the whole, here's your ingredient, you know, and yes. make a whole yeah. thing out yeah. of it. And that, that the joy of seeing, although the process really does matter more you know for for our for iron chef yeah yeah foie gras you're yeah. like no i don't know how to make anything with foie gras <laughs> yeah the only other thing i'll say about blown away is uh, I, I will say the glass blowing bunch are like a much more milder bunch than when you're watching like the bachelorette or love is blind or whatever you know what i'm saying yeah. like or the bachelor you know like it, it they're just like yeah yeah the, the, the personalities are not as strong because the thing that they're really into is glass blowing and they so, really do have to like mash up those shows so we get you know <laughs> blown blown away via x f boy island what would that look like yeah. <laughs> why Indeed. are you all making dongs we can do more with glass blowing than dongs mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm that's blown away season three. It's on Netflix, uh, and I'd recommend all the all the episodes. It's a, it's a lot of fun. It's it's some nice, fun, breezy watching. That's what I've been watching this week. It's time to tell you about our sponsor, Backbone. Ooh, I just got my backbone not too long ago, and I have been loving it. Hey, what's holding you back from the ultimate gaming experience? Is it the hundreds of dollars it costs for your setup, or are you the busy, on-the-go type with only minutes to spare? Well... You can level up your game with Backbone, the universal gaming essential that lets you instantly play hundreds of console games on your iPhone, no console required. Backbone is the newest game-changing essential that transforms your iPhone into a handheld console. 
So you can play anywhere, anytime. I've been using mine to play Diablo Immortal. It works great. Just pop my iPhone right into it. You just plug your iPhone into the backbone itself. And then you can enjoy console quality controls. You got twin sticks, responsive buttons and triggers. The, the sticks are clickable. It's like you're playing an Xbox. In fact, you can play Xbox, PlayStation, PC, and App Store games right there on your backbone. And if you don't own a console, no problem. Stream hundreds of games like FIFA, Halo, Minecraft, and more through cloud gaming services like Xbox Game Pass, NVIDIA GeForce Now, and Google Stadia. And if you already have a PlayStation, Xbox, or PC, play games you own with Remote Play or the Steam Link app. Experience for yourself what TechCrunch calls the closest we've ever seen to a portable Xbox. And for Diablo fans like me, Backbone is now the official partner of Diablo Immortal. Not only is the game specifically optimized for Backbone, you'll also receive $10 of in-game perks. This is in addition to everything else Backbone is currently offering. Free access to over 350 console games, one month free Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, one month free Apple Arcade, two months free Google Stadia Pro, and three months free of Discord Nitro. But this is only for a limited time and only when you go to playbackbone.com slash filmcast. That's P-L-A-Y-B-A-C-K-B-O-N-E dot com slash F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T. Find your next adventure at playbackbone.com slash filmcast. Devinger, what are some things you want this week? Oh, yeah. A couple of things I'll mention real quick. Uh, I have been catching up on What We Do in the Shadows, season four, which uh, started uh, airing in the middle of July. So a couple of weeks ago, you can watch it on Hulu now. Um, I don't know if you guys were caught up on the show, but yeah, season I'm caught up. three. Yeah. yeah, season three of What We Do in the Shadows ended on like an incredible note. It felt yes. like a series <laughs> mm-hmm. finale of just like mm-hmm. characters going off, major things happening. Um, big changes, big changes all around. And uh it is wild to see how like things kind of reform back in season four. I think the show is better than ever. The Blade references are back. Um, are when, there any Ocean's Twelve references? Is my question. You I know, mean, like, that's, I, I don't, that's I don't know I'm yet. For. But uh, the I, I, I will like say the one, the one like big driving theme of this season is they want to do a vampire nightclub. Like vampire <laughs> nightclub is the thing, and the whole idea is like just do it like Blade, guys. Easy money. <laughs> <That's> it. <laughs> Nothing can yeah, go it sells wrong. itself. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. So I, I love that. I love that they're still going. They're still doing the thing. Yeah, so that's what um, we do in the shadows on Hulu. Yeah, um, check it out. I, I'm, I haven't talking, watched the season four yet, but I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Uh, and I love. I mean, they're breezy. They're like less than half an hour. Like it's just an easy show to binge uh, real quick. Um, but uh, let's talk about something that isn't together anymore, and that's Desus <laughs> and Miro, mm-hmm. which. I, I don't know if you guys are into Divas, Jesus and Miro, but uh, I, I love these guys. Um, the kid Miro, Jesus nice. Uh, they are, they were like, I don't know what I'd call them. Two cultural commentators, two people who were really good at Twitter. And in the early 2010s uh, did a really good job of like trolling people and like, um, you know, just, just really ragging on people. Um, they started a podcast. Uh, they had a complex show that turned into a vice show. And that ended up being a showtime show. So these two guys, you know, two guys from the Bronx, I think speaking to certainly like they're a very like New York based audience, but, you know, audiences of people who 
I would say are maybe tired of seeing late night shows hosted by multiple Jimmys. Uh, they were a very, <laughs> very unique voice um, you know, to have on TV. They interviewed Obama. Like these guys went places. And it just really, it, uh, it swelled my heart to see them like rise to such a level of success, you know, and like any, any like a uh, major band, any major group, um, the, the journey cannot last. And they announced, uh, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, but they announced that they split up and the internet was on fire. And I tell you, it was a heartbreaking moment for me, for my wife. She's a native New Yorker. And like they're, they're, you know, just the way they talked about things, the way they made fun of people, which is essentially what they did. Uh, it was sort of like what Talk Soup was doing, except um, I'd say a little more focused and a little more like poignant because uh, because they, they would do everything from like news to like TikTok videos or whatever. And then they'd have like good chats with actual you know celebrities and important people. And I always found that amazing, too. Um, these guys split up. We still don't know the full reason. And uh, it sucks. It sucks because they were such a great voice to have on Showtime. So just want to say I'm sad they're gone. And uh, for anybody else listening who misses them, uh, I'm right there with you. Yeah, I think when, when I see news like this, it's like pe- people don't understand that when you're making, I don't know, let's say a long running film podcast, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's uh, you're, you're dealing with strong personalities. And what? Uh, and B- business issues, things like that. Cause yeah, there's a report it, that maybe it was a business thing that kind of destroyed. Sure. Them, yeah. Sure. But it's just like these, these relationships that people have can sometimes not saying anything about any podcast you might be listening to, but like they can be delicate, you know, like mm-hmm. it, it's not necessarily like you think like, Oh wow. They, these guys are like hugely successful. They've achieved a level of sex of success. Yeah. Very few personalities ever Concept. achieve. Um, but it's like, you know, we, and we don't know exactly why they split up, so I'm not commenting on that, but it's just like, you never, you never know what is going on in the background, right? You never know, like, uh, and, and sometimes it can be like really delicate, like the connections that people have can be really delicate. So it's just, it's, it's sad. Like it is, it, it felt like a disturbance in the force of like culture. So mm-hmm. it's just, uh, it's just a shame. And I can't think of anybody else who's like really doing what they're doing right now. Like there's, um, you know, I like some of the uh, there's like some other random like late night shows on Peacock and stuff. They're kind of fun, but it's not the same guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's Jesus and Miro, and yeah, uh, I think we've seen the last of that pairing at least for the foreseeable future. Devinder, anything else you've been watching? I want to shout out Rap Shit or Rap S H exclamation mark shit. You know, T. Uh, that's how it's being <laughs> sold on uh, HBO. This is the new series by Issa Rae. Um, it's about a Miami, uh, rapper played by, uh, Ada Osman, who is kind of a, you know, she, she, she's a struggling rapper. She works at a hotel. She is trying to like make her name on TikTok and everything and just kind of get her work out there. Um, it is really funny seeing the show because, uh, the idea of being, you know, somebody who's really good at freestyling or really good at just like, uh, really good at like rapping, to, to, to people in general or good in the mirror and maybe not as much in the crowd. That was like an essential plot point uh, at the beginning of Insecure. And they kind of just forgot about it. You know, it just ended up not being a part of Issa Rae's character. Um, it is funny to see them just kind of take that and just make a whole new shot of it. And I think the result is something that's really, really funny and interesting. Um, it's set in Miami and it feels like Miami. It's actually shot there. Um, and the really interesting thing, too, is that this is a show that is fully aware of how much we live in our phones. Like so much of this show is people's Snapchats or people's uh, TikTok uh, streams or TikTok videos or Instagram streams. Like uh, it's people FaceTiming each other. It is a show that's so just so modern 
in the way uh, it tells its story. I found that kind of fascinating. Um, and I, I think it's kind of worth it, you know, just watching just for that. But, you know, the music is good. I like the characters a lot. Um, it is, uh, it's, it's just like, it's a lot of fun. Music is by Devante Hines, who I uh, I love as well, uh, Blood Orange. So, you know, I, I like this all around. If you like Issa Rae's stuff, if you're looking for like a good um dramedy comedy type of thing and you're into like good rap music like you know check this out rap shit is really good rap shit is streaming right now on hbo max that's what we've been watching this week let's do a few weekly plugs weekly plugs is part of the show where we plug something else we've been making uh for Almost 10 years, I did a podcast called A Cast of Kings with Joanna Robinson, who now podcasts for The Ringer. Uh, and there have been some questions about whether or not we would continue that podcast, given that HBO has a new Game of Thrones related show premiering in the next month. House of the Dragon is coming out on August 21st. I am very excited to announce that there is a new co-host for A Cast of Kings that's going to be joining me, uh, Kim Renfro over at Insider uh, and the author of the unofficial game of uh, unofficial guide to Game of Thrones. He's going to be my new co-host on A Cast of Kings. And we've recorded a couple episodes and we're going to record a couple more uh, in nice. the lead up to uh, House of the Dragon. So please join us over there at the Cast of Kings feed. You can find that at gameofthronespodcast.com. And I don't know about you guys, but I felt a little bit burned by the end of Game of Thrones, the TV show. Yeah. You know? I mean, and I, and yeah, uh, yeah. I am now actually looking forward to uh, House of the Dragon. After talking with Kim about it, mm-hmm. recording some episodes about it, I'm psyched about it. I'm ready to be heard again, baby. It's uh, it's a little rough because we we just got our first glimpse at the uh, the Amazon Lord of the Rings show. And they were like, yeah, we're going to spend a billion dollars on this thing across several seasons. And it looks like it. And I don't. There is dragon competition, right? There is fantasy mm-hmm. competition now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something. Yeah. I think I thought it was a big power move for Amazon to announce that they're premiering Rings of Power in September, and then yes. HBO comes in. They're like, "Guess yes. what? House of the Dragon, August twenty first, baby! Like it's going to overlap." <laughs> and I think they're going to have their season finales on the same I know. day. I, I or the feel same like week. can you believe that? I feel like that? HBO may maybe I I don't know I don't know how much uh, the cultural cachet of Game of Thrones still survives because of just how badly the last season was uh, was received, but. This is going to be fun to watch. It's I want to yeah, see it's these gonna be interesting. Fight. We're seeing like yeah. titans of, you know, with hundreds of millions of dollars battle it out. So it should be fun. But again, GameOfThronesPodcast.com. The podcast is a cast of kings. Join us, won't you? Devendra Hardwar, your weekly plug. I want to shout out the latest episode of the Engadget podcast where we talked about the Pixel 6a, Google's new mid-range phone, which is really good. And the reviews are out now, so go check that out. And we talked about like what what the hell is going on at Netflix because last week they announced that they lost a million subscribers and everybody started cheering and Netflix was very happy about that. That's how you know the bit yeah, going well is when you something. only lose a million subscribers. Only a million. Because they expected yeah. two million. So yeah. that, that's a thing. So we dive into like what's going on there. Super, super uh, healthy business yeah. going on over there. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so, check so it, it out at the at the Engadget podcast uh, and Devinger's discussion of that. Jeff Kanata, your weekly plug? I do a weekly podcast called We Have Concerns with uh, my co-host Anthony Carboni. Uh, folks, film fans may know him as uh, the host of the Star Wars show and host of Star Wars Celebration. Um, he and I have been doing uh, We Have Concerns for quite a while. In fact, we just hit a big milestone. The most recent episode was our 700th episode of We Have Concerns. 
Uh, and it's, it's a good one. We, um, as I like to say, we pulled out none of the stops. Uh, it is neither star studded wow. nor special. Uh, we, but at least uh, you remember that it happened, you know, unlike with our 500th episode. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> oh, we should do something for our 500th. <laughs> I think it'd be cool. Yeah, we should try it. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> um, we do have 700 coming up, so FYI. Yes, we do. Tw- oh. Only uh, half a year left. Yeah. Um, anyway, 700 episodes of We Have Concerns. Uh, all You don't have to listen to them in order. It doesn't matter. But they're all, I think they're all fun and they're all good. And you can learn something. It's a science show uh, where we make fun of it. We, uh, we, we do silly, uh, silly comedy bits, and, but you actually do come away learning something. The 700th episode, fellas, uh, is very special in that we talk about tiny little mites that live on all of our faces that come out at night and have sex on your face. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, and the, uh, the big news is that we have discovered that those creatures that live on 98% of people's faces, now we know they have anuses. Mm. So they poop. They poop on your face. Awesome. Okay. So if that doesn't entice you to listen to We Have Concerns, I don't know what will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would tell uh, people, you to go to wehaveconcerns.com, but the site is currently being finicky and uh, unfriendly. But you can find We Have Concerns wherever you get podcasts. Just search for We Have Concerns. It is an award-winning science podcast. All right. A couple plugs for this podcast. You can always support this podcast by going to patreon.com slash film podcast. Sign up for ad-free episodes and exclusive After Darks. Um, and this week and in the next few weeks, we'll be covering the rehearsal, the new Nathan Fielder show on uh, HBO, as well as reading your, uh, listener emails and comments and going through a bunch of other random things. Uh, you know, I think this, uh, I'm going to say, I just got to call the shot here. I think this week's after dark is going to be a lot of fun. Just going to put that out there. So, uh, you can get it at patreon.com slash film podcast. Of course, we never want anyone to donate if it is in any way a financial hardship. Uh, but it's very easy to support us for free, too. All you got to do is go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a star rating or a review. It really does help. Uh, and thanks so much. Okay, let's get to our review of Nope. Did you know that the very first assembly of photographs to create a motion picture was a two-second clip of a black man on a horse? And that man is my great-great-grandfather. Great. There's another great-grandfather. But that's why back at the Haywood Ranch, as the only black-owned horse trainers in Hollywood, we like to say since the moment pitchers could move, we had skin in the game. That was from the trailer for Nope, the newest film from writer-director Jordan Peele. I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. The residents of a lonely gulch in inland California bear witness to an uncanny and chilling discovery. And good, good summary. Yeah, yeah pretty, pretty good summary. Uh, you know, it, I, I think that in order to talk about this movie at all, we need to talk a little bit about the premise. Um, and the premise is barely revealed in the trailers. So, Unidentified flying thing. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's, it. it's 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 revealed in the trailer. But like you know, yeah. so we're gonna talk vaguely around the premise, and there'll be some. We'll have a spoiler section. But like, mm-hmm. if you don't want to know the spo- if you don't know the premise or any of those those details, then. Obviously, uh, you have been warned, but just just letting folks know, Th- this was a movie that that really tried to keep its cards close to its vest until very close to release. I think successfully. So, yeah. I think it keeps its cards close to its vest till about two thirds of the way into the movie. <laughs> yeah, indeed, that, indeed. that is the key. Yeah. So, all that being said, obviously, I, I think overall on this podcast, we're huge fans of Jordan Peele, Get Out, 
I thought was a masterpiece. Us is a movie that I actually really liked uh, overall and and thought was very impressive. Um, now this new movie comes in Nope, uh, which feels just radically different than those other two films. Uh, but Devinger Hardor, I'm curious to start with you. What did you think overall of Nope? Yeah, I'm going to have to give it a great big yep. How about that? Uh, I <laughs> nailed it. Nailed, nailed it. it. Uh, I mean, listen, you give me a one word title. I'm going to give you one word review. Okay. Uh, but I, I, I freaking loved this movie, uh, mainly because I, I, I just, I, th- this movie evoked so many things for me. Like it evoked the feelings of watching uh, classic UFO movies. It really made me think like, are we, are we sort of watching the Shyamalan like timeline repeat itself to mm-hmm. like, um, cause like, I uh, hope not. <laughs> so, I don't know, but Hey, whatever you think about the ending of signs, the rest of signs is goddamn incredible. Like I love so much of signs and the way it made me feel in the theater. So it was, uh, to, to, I think to a lot of people, you make that comparison. That's like a bad thing for Jordan Peele to me as somebody who likes like Shyamalan, like when he's good, I, I think it's very exciting. I just love the fact that this is a movie that just swings for all the fences. Like it is doing things I have never seen before. I love the fact that uh, Jordan Peele sort of confirming that he, he is basically an anime uh, nerd as much as I am. And we'll talk about some of that stuff in spoilers. He has definitely seen Neon Genesis Evangelion. Um, this movie just is always doing a lot of new and interesting things. And I love the fact that, you know, this is a guy who coming out of Get Out could have done anything. And he is just telling these like really unique and visually bold and compelling and just very original stories. Like I know not everybody liked us. I thought us was also a masterpiece just because uh, it it felt like a perfect commentary of the moment and how we were all sort of connected to each other and all we don't quite don't always want to admit that. Um, I, I love us. And this also feels like a movie of the moment while also saying something else to you like this isn't this isn't as much like cultural commentary as it is like maybe hollywood commentary or commentary of how we consume entertainment and the costs of it uh, the cost of that for the people who deliver it to us too there's a lot going on here um but at the end of the day like it is just a huge uh spectacle you know in in the best way like a steven spielberg spectacle and also I think uh, it opens with a quote that kind of makes us feel bad about that too. Like the, the idea of a spectacle, what are, what are we asking? You know, where are we asking of the people who, who create these things? Um, I love wrestling with all that. I love this movie so much. Everybody is fantastic in it. Um, love to see Daniel Killia like back in the fold. And I just hope he keeps working with Jordan Peele. Kiki Palmer has been around forever. And I love, she has a chance to shine freaking. I don't, I've never seen Brandon Perea in anything before. And he, he is just fantastic. And Michael Wincott, who's been in many, many things, his voice in this movie. Like I was in one of those, uh, I think it was like a regal. It was an RPX theater. And I think they have subwoofers in the seats. Mm. And when Michael Wincott speaks, the whole room. You feel it in your anus. <laughs> you, you feel it. You feel it. Um, I I love so much of this movie, even if like thematically, it may be a little unclear or obtuse. Um, like to, to me, like the ride is so good. And the, the idea that, you know, Jordan Peele's just like doing so many new, interesting things. I, that just kind of kept me on board entirely. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll do our thematic uh, discovery and everything, but I love the experience of watching it. It really evoked like watching old UFO movies. Like there, there's a straight up, like, um, there's a fire in the sky moment 
in this movie. There's a communion moment there. It's everything, mm. everything I have loved about this type of movie. And then, then it ends up being something more too. Jeff Kanata, your thoughts on Nope. Well, Dave, <laughs> my thoughts on Nope are best summed up in the form of a limerick. Uh, I think go. I know where this is going. Do you? <laughs> I think so, but we'll see. I'm shaking my head already. Yeah. I mean, I had a really hard time writing this limerick. Yeah, yeah. I, would I had a really that. hard time. I actually wrote two different ones, and I'm not happy with either of them, to be honest mm. with you. Can you, can you read uh, both? Uh, you can hear them both if you want. Um, Devinder already stepped on one of them. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Peel's visual artistry shines, but he's clumsy with the storyline. The horror sci-fi had me asking why did he make his own version of signs? Hmm. Nice. That was good. Yeah. That was good. Would have been more impactful if Devinder hadn't said signs already, but I understand. I agree. You know? I agree. hundred percent. Yep. Step, stepped all over it. Yep. <laughs> Happens all the time. Most of you do it though. You do it way more often than he does it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, I'll read the other one. Um, his first two defied horror tropes, and his talent gives me so much hope. Is there a movie that could possibly be as good? The answer is nope. Mm. See, that line, so, it has two meanings, Dave. You can read mm, it either way. Mm, the answer is nope, or the yes. answer is nope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, huh? yeah. And that's kind of how I feel about this movie. I'm conflicted conflicted good i walked out of this movie and i went i don't think that was very good and the more i thought about it and the more i sat with this movie because i saw this movie like two weeks ago now i had an early screening the more i like it um it has grown on me since i watched it i think the third act of this movie is spectacular mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. throughout this movie there are numerous undeniably brilliant sequences. I mean, he is a gifted visual storyteller. A yes. gifted, I think a gifted writer, I think a gifted uh, filmmaker. It is, cl- it is clear. It is undeniable that you are watching someone who has a, a style all his own and is very confident and is doing things on a very high level. It, there is a grandeur to this movie. There are little details that are brilliant and beautiful mm-hmm. and wonderful. And yet, I think this movie is clumsy and it doesn't seed its ideas very well. It, it, it wants to have setups and payoffs, and the setups are so clunky, mm. so clunky. And so much of it, I, I walked out of it with so many questions of like, what? I don't understand why we don't why we needed to be told this information in this way. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so much of it didn't work, like just doesn't work. It, it, it just feels very, um, very inarticulate in a lot of ways for, for a, a filmmaker and, and, and sequences that are extremely articulate, that are clear and beautiful and, and poetic in their expression of something. And yet others that are just, it just feels like such a a shabby way to introduce that notion. Like what? I don't know mm-hmm. how, how both of those things can exist in this movie at the same time. And I think when I first walked out of it, I was much more struck by the former, the, you know, my, my problems with it. Like the, why, 
why do we need to do all this stuff? And and this stuff just it, it just seems shoehorned in in a lot of ways. And I and and so many of the themes are kind of hit you over the head. And and in contrast to his other two movies, which I just didn't feel that way about, you know. Um, but having said that, the longer I've sat with the movie and had the images stay with me and kind of revisit it in my mind and think about it, the more I'm like, man, it it, it really is mm-hmm. a an epic piece of filmmaking. The power of his images in particular. Yeah. Like the first frame of what we see is like undeniable. Like I've Incredible. never seen that before. Incredible. Yeah. And uh-huh. there are so many moments like that. There are, I mean, there are a dozen or more moments of just, wow, the way he shot that, how he shot that. But so much of it, I'm like, if you dissect, if you pick it apart, mm-hmm. if you think mm-hmm. about it for, for too long, it just falls down like a house of cards. And I have a problem with that, right? Like the, the rules of his world are yeah. weirdly introduced. They, they're it, it just he, he'll just tell you something that and like that's one of the the characters will just be like oh this and she's like well what how did you come to that like right. there's no yeah. there's no seeding of those ideas there's no organic building it made me think honestly that there's a cut of this movie that's way longer that makes mm-hmm. way more sense. Mm-hmm. You know that we, I, we that we lost some connective tissue somewhere. It, it could be, but I think us also uh, introduced us to to Jordan Peele, the guy who doesn't give a shit if <laughs> if you are confused about like connective tissue as well. Like mm-hmm. he he is very much in the art house. Like keep up, buddy. Like just keep up with. No, me. I get like, that. I, yeah, I, I'm doing. I that. don't. But I, well, I yeah, I'd love to see a longer cut too. I, I wouldn't even describe that. my reaction as being confused. It's yeah. more like. It's not it's, what you expected. It's it, inelegant. It like, yeah. It's, it's inelegant. It's yeah, in- I, I think there's like, there, there are, we as a podcast understand how setups and payoffs occur in movies, mm-hmm. right? Like we have seen tons of setups and payoffs and so on. This movie does setups and payoffs as Jeff describes inelegantly, in my opinion, right? Or yeah. it does it in a way where it's like, oh, that setup could have been better. Like yes. I think we have a sense of like what makes for a better setup, right? Right. Um, or that for a more satisfying payoff. Um, and there's just th- there's just a handful of things in this movie that's like, huh. Like I understand what he was going for, but it didn't quite land in the way that I think it was supposed to. Um, anyway, sorry, Jeff, I didn't mean to step on you, but no, ahead, I think you, I think you said it better than I did. Um, I and it sounds like you agree with me. I, I, I it, it just had me scratching my head of like, is there just. Do we have to cut the movie down, and we so we lost some mm. a more elegant way of introducing this notion because mm-hmm. it just seems like it to happen far too frequently in the movie. Um, and honestly, that's my biggest problem because so much of the movie is like is awesome. I mean, truly awesome. And these, like I said, the third act is it. it we build to it in such a cool way, and we arrive at it, and it plays out as this really long extended set piece that is edge of your seat stuff. But so much of it is like, man, if we just, if the movie had just been focused on getting us to that mm-hmm. set piece yeah. in a, in a more organic, elegant way, I, I it would have, it would have been a home run, but it just feels like it's all over the place. And anyway, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Do you, do you feel some of that? I totally feel a, a lot of it. I mean, let, let me start by saying this. So, I thought Get Out was perfect movie. No notes. Like, incredible. It shaped the culture. It gave us terms that I use all the time. Like, there's indelible images. Like, it's it's an amazing movie. Yeah, there you're is... constantly telling me to get out. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. Not, not a single ounce of fat on that movie. Like, it is just... I, I can't say enough good things about Get Out. 
Us is a movie that when I watched it, I was um, I didn't appreciate the jumps in logic that that movie required me to make, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because there's a lot of stuff that's very hand wavy. Like, how does that all work exactly? The underground tunnel system, blah blah yeah, blah blah blah. Right? right? Like, it doesn't. It's not really explained very well. But fundamentally, there are some awesome things about Get Out that you just you can't us. get out of your head, right? Us. I'm sorry us. about us. us. I apologize yeah. about us that you can't get out of your head. Like just the um, the aesthetic of like the suits and everything like that. Like how those look. Um, Lupita Nyong'o's voice, the and her, perform- her double yeah. performance, Oof. and also fundamentally the central theme of the movie, which is about privilege. In my like from my reading, right? It's about privilege. It's about when you do something um, that benefits you consider how you are taking something away from someone else that you don't know. Right. Like that's, that's kind of what the message of the movie was for me. And that to me, like was very coherent as laid out in the film. And because of all the good stuff in that movie, I am much more forgiving about the stuff that I think didn't make sense. So like over time I've warmed up to us. It's very possible. I might have that same journey with this movie as well. Mm -hmm. However, at this moment, we're going to repeat I, that journey. Yeah, <laughs> I find Nope to be significantly less coherent than us. Right, so that's there's reason to believe that I won't resume that journey uh, or continue that journey with this movie. And um, and I think it is, uh, you, you know, Jeff. I echo many of your thoughts. Like so many amazing sequences, it looks amazing. It's also stuffed with really awesome ideas, right? Mm-hmm. And um, Alyssa Wilkinson did a great piece over at Vox.com called "Jordan Peele's Nope Explained," and she identifies two of the central themes in this movie that I think uh, are, are pretty effectively con- like, or not, not effectively conveyed, but like I can sense that he has a lot to say about these topics, right? One is um, how black people have been abridged from uh, out of film history, right? They've mm-hmm. been yeah. completely forgotten and removed. And like in, in re- so the idea, the, the main characters in the movie are a bro- uh, brother, sister pair um, who are, uh, according to the movie, the great, 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 great grandchildren of Alistair E. Haywood, who rode the horse in the first moving picture ever made. In reality, we don't know what that person's name is. Yeah. Which yeah. kind of makes the movie's point that like, we forget about um, people of color and specifically black people who have made enormous contributions to cinema history um, and who don't to, to this day still don't have opportunities to contribute to that history as well as they should. Right. So like great idea, great point. I support it. I believe in it. Um, I don't know how effectively this movie landed that point for me. Um, another point is this idea of spectacle is this idea of like, uh, of consuming stuff instead of experiencing it, right? And that's most made clear through the Steven Yun character who kind of experiences his life through or thinks about his life through the lens of mm-hmm. a show that he appeared on. Like a, a yeah. show, he was an, he's an actor in the, in the universe of the movie and he kind of thinks of his life, relates to his life almost exclusively through spectacle and through visuals and through artificiality Shaped by extreme a, trauma and his treatment as a child actor. Exactly. Too. Exactly. So like, and that's a major, a yeah, it's a major theme of this movie is like, how is trauma, uh, experienced by people? How is it used by people? How is it commodified by people? 
I think these are fascinating concepts, fascinating well, ideas. The, that and, that yeah. notion is also echoed with the, the main characters, you know, the, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm, the Daniel Kaluuya mm-hmm. character and the Kiki Palmer characters, who, whose first reaction to seeing something supernatural is to say, how can we... How can, right. we, how can we monetize it, right? Yeah, can, yeah. commodity. There, there has it. not been a good UFO video. If we're the ones to do it, we're going to make bank. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that, yeah. is, that is everything. So yeah. uh, these are like really fascinating, great ideas. And I, I just wish that the movie that tied them all together mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. felt more coherent. Like when, when, I, when I watched Us, I, I had... I had really, it, when I watched Us, I was like, okay, this is a really clear articulation of like, I, I get on a fundamental level what he's trying to say about privilege, right? Like the the, the metaphor is really clear. The mm-hmm. metaphor, in my opinion, is much more muddled in this movie. I, I think, and, by the way, us like that—that's one metaphor in us. But there, sure. there is a lot. Yeah, you There's can read them anyways. I mean, yeah. he has he has ex- the the director and writer has explicitly talked about privilege as like one of the sure, reasons. He sure, sure, sure. But you're right. There's many different uh, interpretations mm-hmm. you could have of that mm-hmm. movie. Um, and and I will say that you know I read Walter Chaw's review and. There was a oh yeah, Walter so, hated this movie. He did oh. not like. He, I would yeah. say he hated. It. He gave it two stars out of four, so it's not hating. You have not. Re- if you thought this was hating, this is not a. Hating I, I, I read the review. It was not. I would say it's not a kind review. It was not a kind it, review, and, and there was a yeah. lot. There was a section no in it that coda. really. There <laughs> was no coda. There was a, there's a section in his review where he says, "Quote: Jordan Peele's first movie, Get Out, um, was like Shyamalan's uh, first movie, The Sixth Sense." Actually, Shyamalan's third movie. Mm-hmm. It was so culturally indelible, it introduced the phrase into the common vernacular. The problem with making a picture so massive is it shifts the zeitgeist around it. I'm sorry. The problem with making a picture so massive, it shifts the zeitgeist around it, is not the high expectations attached to a follow-up, but rather the way this much fame and power tends to fuck with your head. Maybe you don't rewrite your script so much anymore. Maybe you stop listening to notes from people who are smart because you're the brand and everyone wants a piece of you. You have fewer people you trust. You start to believe your own press. You start to worry you're alone, end quote. Now, he's just completely rampantly speculating there. Like, there's yeah, no, We yeah, have no yeah. insight into like what the creation process was here. But I do worry that we are in some ways witnessing a Shyamalan-esque trajectory where this guy clearly has directorial chops. Like he's super talented, uh, knows where to put the camera, knows how to move the camera. He knows how to get great performances out of his actors. He knows how to create indelible images. Mm -hmm. But over time, the movies are becoming, in my opinion, less and less coherent. And I fear for I don't I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I, like we talked a little bit about this with Taika Waititi. I, I think it's more like Jordan Peele's very busy now, right? Like yeah. he, he is executive producing several shows. Like he is behind a lot of things, and it, it's kind of the same thing for Taika, who ended up being another cultural like, uh, like phenom, I guess, because of that too. Um, I, but that but, doesn't that does just because they're busy. That doesn't mean like the work yeah, is still I, great. I don't know. You know, what I don't I mean? know. In my like, opinion, it's but. just different. It's different when you have to prove something with your first project, you know, and mm-hmm. then everybody loves you and you're like how do i how do i do that again you know what do what do i have to live right. up to but you know what i don't want to speculate about that my question for you though more dave is are you like how did you feel watching this movie right are you are you watching it exploring the themes like as they're going through yeah. a major set piece like i'm not going to say this is a movie where you need to turn off your brain but i do think sometimes especially for his movies where he he just like lets logic like run free sometimes right right, right? Like he, he lets say, those gaps exist but i i do want to say like don't it's not turn off your brain but i found this movie like really if you heighten your other senses or the mm-hmm. other things you're taking in i think there there is certainly a lot more to grab from this movie. I, yeah. I think you're right that on a pure from a pure visceral experience it is breathtaking 
right? As a movie, right? And and there are like a, a bunch of moments that are like, ooh, I'm like edge of my seat, really tense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But to answer your question, um, most of my experience of the movie was confusion, not about the plot or what was actually happening, but just like confusion about what he was trying to accomplish, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that's kind of my experience watching the movie. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe I'll warm to it over time. And here's the thing, despite everything I've just said, um, there's no director out there who is taking as big swings, in my opinion, on original yeah. material, other than maybe like Ryan Johnson and Edgar Wright or whatever. You know what I mean? Um, there's no director that can open a movie this big that's not based off of existing IP. This is the biggest opening for a film that's well, not based Nolan, off of Nolan. Like he, he has oh, yeah, yeah, quickly become like Nolan level. Other than but Nolan. Other than even Nolan, right. that is like astounding. And yeah, yeah, I love that they're both directors who are like, you know, if you're not keeping up with what I'm putting down, like uh, tough shit. I, I don't know. Yeah, but um, yeah. But, I don't even uh, think it's about keeping up. I, I, mm-hmm. I it, 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 it's, it's, it's confounding, but not in a oh, I'm not keeping up with you. It's confounding mm-hmm. in a why did you choose to do it this way? Yeah. This feels it's obtuse. It's deliberately obtuse. Yeah, oh, but no, mm-hmm. no, no. I think you, I think you're mischaracterizing what what my position is. And maybe I'm not, I'm not describing you specifically. I'm just saying to me, yeah, it's up yeah, to you. Oh, okay, fair. But yeah, go, go ahead, Jeff. And then uh, let's get to spoilers. But go ahead, Jeff. Where, where is it? Yeah, I, I, well, I was just going to say that it just feels, um, I mean, I guess inelegant is the best word. It, it feels like not the most effective way to present that notion, to to set that thing up that you know, when, when it, when it pays off, you go, Oh, that's awesome. But why, mm-hmm. why did we get a setup like that? Or I want to hear your spoilers about like, yeah, what? maybe we yeah, should just get let's there. Get, let's get to it. Let's get the spoilers yeah. for Nope starting right now. Now you're looking for the secret. Can I see this coming? No, but you won't find it because of course you're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret. You want to be fooled. I have a specific example, Jeff, but I'm, I'm go, happy. No, to go, ahead. go ahead. I, I think the big one for me was, well, first of all, I want to say the movie opened incredibly. Like, uh-huh. Yes. Uh-huh. incredible opening for a movie. Oh, man. No, I mean, not what we expected at all. Right. Yeah. Well, just, just with the whole, like, objects falling from the sky. And then, like, when he looks back at his father, Keith David, and he's, like, slumped over, it's just such a... Even before that. Like, even with before the monkey. that. It's, it's yeah, the monkey. Oh, that, but, too. that too. Even yeah, before yeah. that, it's the biblical quote that's just, like... Okay, I see what you're doing. Super pretentious. We get it, but also you are you are stepping into a world of dread, mm-hmm, basically. Yeah. Like it, that is your introduction to this yeah. world. It's and then Nahum the monkey three is just six. Like, I will cast abominable filth upon you, make mm-hmm. you vile, and make you a spectacle. That's the yes. opening quote. But, um, but then there's the you get the glimpse of the Gordy and and the you know the assault, the mauling that happened. Um, but just like it is, the camera static. Yes. You see Gordy, you see a shoe, you see it's it's disgusting. His face is bloody. He starts like, you know, tapping the dead body to see if like it's still alive. Just like it lets pull, you it absorb that off. It's so yeah. disturbing. Yeah. 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 And you absorb that for like 10 seconds and you're like, what the hell? I thought I was watching a UFO movie. What is happening? And mm-hmm. I love I love that feeling of what the hell is happening. Agreed. Yeah. Dude, feel a hundred percent feel this way. I'm like, what is going? I, I, you know, I'm intrigued. I'm horrified. I'm disturbed. I want to know what happens next. I, lo- I, I thought the opening was super, super strong. Like I loved it. Uh, and then, of course, you know, when Keith David gets killed and it, it takes place and is revealed in a very creepy way, it's just like, wow, this guy knows what he is doing, man. Um, but I think like one of the moments when I really felt like 
I really don't think this is landing how it's supposed to. Like, was there's a moment at the end where Daniel Kaluuya makes this gesture with his hands where he's like pointing at his eyes. He's like basically kind of like, I'm watching you or, you know, I'm looking out for you kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. And that is set up in an extremely brief flashback that happens earlier on in the film, right? And it's like, okay, this brother sister character, they've had their differences, um, but like ultimately they still really deeply care about each other. And I think we're supposed to be deeply moved at that moment when he's like, I'm sacrificing myself for you. And I felt nothing, you know, like I was like, it, this didn't really quite, it, it felt like. It, it was the outline of what was supposed to be an extremely powerful moment, but that the movie didn't earn that moment at the end when he ultimately sacrifices himself for his sister. Um, so that's like one example of where I feel like this is a very standard setup payoff thing where like, think of mm-hmm. like the um, running your hands over the person's face in the movie face off. You know, it's like, okay, like you set that up literally in the opening scene. You, um, people do it multiple times. Are we, are we the calling movie. that elegant? <laughs> I, I mean, it's more elegant than what I saw, thought happened in this movie, which I thought, thought was very clunky in terms of I that mean, particular thing. I I don't know. It's certain, <laughs> At least it's it certain, more the formula a... the formula of setup and payoff certainly was uh, functioned better in 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 uh, in Face Off. But yes. doing a thing no human being does. Like just running your dirty hands over somebody's face, uh, I laugh at it every time. And okay, sure, it okay. Means even something. if you even but if yeah. you mock this, this specific a, example, I think this you know is not your example. Okay. <laughs> yeah, this isn't yeah. a referendum. I think you know what I'm trying to say, right? I think you know. I see what you're trying to say, and I, yeah, if it didn't hit, it didn't hit. But it's also like it was a half second gesture in terms of like I have not seen a spectacle like this. I haven't seen a set piece like that in a in a long time. I'd say well, so. I don't know. But there's yeah. no argument that the set pieces are yeah. off the charts awesome. Yes. I mean, right. it, it, I just want them to be motivated better by the movie. It just felt like, you know, I have I have a number of examples. I, I, a very similar example uh, is the the filmmaker walking up and sacrificing himself for no reason whatsoever. He's a uh, cinematographer, man. Golden <laughs> Hour. That, that felt like a joke of every... <laughs> Every like uh, d- DP out there is like it's golden hour. I gotta do whatever it takes, man. I gotta get this fucking shot. Shot. Did he get the shot? Like, like he got what? the shot. I think he got like, the shot. Did he? Yeah. We don't ever. It. I don't think we ever find out. As far as I we know. didn't find yeah, out, yeah. but he right. he took it. Like he yeah. he was um, not gonna live on this earth without taking that shot. Like it was just to me that that was kind of funny. Like, of course yeah, he would do that. Th- that did not bother me at all. But Jeff, I think one thing you were referring to in, in the review was when. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya intuits that you're not supposed to look at it. Yes, you know? this is mm-hmm. this yeah. is the moment where he he goes, "Oh, you you don't look at the horse because the horse freaks out." Yes. Therefore, making eye contact the yeah. with yeah. the mm-hmm. thing in the sky and which is like, "Okay, <laughs> I'm with you movie that this guy's going to use his lived experience." Mm-hmm. His, also, he doesn't look anybody in the eye. Did you guys notice that? Yes. Mm, interesting. I, yeah. By the way, yeah, this movie could have been called "Don't Look Up." That would have been funny. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but anyway, so you know his his level of expertise. Th- this is something I appreciate in movies: is when mm-hmm. this particular person in this particular situation happens to have the needed information mm-hmm. that no one else can have because of their expertise. Like that's yeah. cool. This is Linux. I know this. Yes. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Or no, this is Unix. This is Unix system. Right. I, I, I dig it. That's that's cool. However, the way the movie executes that moment is it becomes gospel 
immediately. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Instead of there you being test it out some or discovery like of it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There's yeah. no dis it becomes I just solved mm -hmm. the problem, everybody. Didn't he mm -hmm. say that after he saw the was that before he saw that the, the town get sucked up or was that after? I forget. I don't know. I think it was yeah. I think it was before. I think it was before. Mm -hmm. But yeah, mm -hmm. I, I agree that it didn't like in, in an ideal scenario, you feel as the viewer you're kind of discovering it with the characters, right? Right. And in this movie, it's like he kind of happens upon it and then he's like, Okay, I'm gonna bet my life on this. And mm -hmm. it's like, mm -hmm. okay, I guess. That's fine. And and the movie does that a couple times. It's if yes, it was it, the one thing then that would be okay. But earlier in the movie we you know we we it, it's a very strange way we even get into this story which is you know they see something vague in the distance and they go we got to record these aliens. It's like what, what the, how well, the did you get the aliens? He like, see, what, well he sees the UFO at night and he's like oh that's that's messed up. Like he he he, he that you know it started from something he actually saw at night. No, he sees, they see, I, I don't know. This movie is also very unfriendly to people who happen to have had uh, catastrophic eye surgery. Yeah, so he does see, the, he sees a flying saucer at night in that first scene when he's hanging out with his sister. So that, yeah. that was like confirmed, yeah. Okay, so he sees yeah. something move in the sky and then yes. decides, oh. Yes. Yeah. And we like, see it too, it's very clear. But yeah. th there's no, there seems to be this weird assumption the movie makes that like this thing happens here, it's always going to happen here. All we have to do is set up cameras because it's going to be back here. Like, mm -hmm. these are all assumptions I would not make if I just saw something crazy in the sky, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. You see, if you, I don't, I don't know how mobile they are, but certainly if you see a freaking giant UFO in your, above you and you're like in a failing farm that your dad died trying to keep going, um, one thing you could do, and these guys are, I think it's interesting that they're close to, like adjacent to Hollywood, but definitely not not of Hollywood, right? Like that town is probably a ways away from uh, from actual LA and stuff. Um, but it it kind of like to me just seems like their behavior is like uh, we we know it sells. You know, we are a filmmaking family. We know if anybody had this, like guys, I maybe it's because like if if this has happened to me, right? It kind of hits all the checkboxes of the things I would do being raised on the goddamn X-Files and communion and fire in the sky and everything. It's like, oh, we have the technology to immediately take a laser sharp picture of everything happening in the sky. And I know there is something weird happening above me. I take that chance. Sure. Why not? The the last yeah. shot of the, of the movie with that, that uh, mm -hmm. picture that she finally successfully takes of it, when it spits out, I go... <laughs> to change a single person's mind that this actually happened right i i think that that is an enormous bummer for me is, we, we don't know yeah we don't know what's gonna well happen well, well yeah. the, the enormous bummer for me is that part one of the themes of the movie is this idea of like the difference between like the analog and the digital right yeah mm -hmm. it's established mm -hmm. in the opening scene when they use the cg green screen horse instead of Right. The real life it was force. very and, funny way it just happened to be brought in in the background after he yeah, fails. Yeah, it's very funny. Really well done. You know, again, yeah. the open, the first like 30 minutes of the Actually, this movie, I was like, this is banger after banger scene, right? So what like, we should have oh. we should have mentioned in the pre-spoiler section too is how funny this movie is. It's really yeah. funny. Yeah. But um, but the, the problem is that then the movie ends up like relying heavily on CG that in my opinion doesn't always look good. Mm. And if you're gonna have a point about like how it's important that things be real and they're shot with real film and your your hand cranking the thing, and then you it, and then you have a CG calm, like climax that 
looks CG. I don't understand. To me, this. That is thematically incoherent. That is. I don't. Point. Okay. Yeah. I, I will point out that there are people in the chat that are kind of disputing the, some the of the movie stuff. is not explicitly saying like you everything must be you know for real actual special effects it is a thing that happened to them and it's certainly a thing that happens a lot in hollywood right now but i you know these I would characters say it is are... a sub theme of the movie okay it is, it is not a primary theme but it is like a minor theme of the movie that it's like hey man remember when we used to do this all for real that's a minor theme of the movie in my opinion okay, and okay. i think the fact that you know and it's it's there's a guy fucking hand cranking a camera at the end of the movie. Like, did you is, want? Did you want them to build a giant monster? Like, I'm I'm just not sure what you're asking for. Or, if we or want a giant, use, a, use like a miniature. So, like, use something yeah, that yeah, is like yeah. tactile in some way. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, as opposed to something okay, that like okay. is very obviously CG in my opinion. You know? Okay. So, I mean, here's the thing about the once we reveal that it is it is a freaking you know it is a creature of a kind too. Nobody expects that. No, but like, I can't like that. That was like one thing this movie held really close to its vest. Like the second trailer, I watch all the trailers, even though like, sure, I try to avoid stuff from these kinds of movies that I know I'm going to see. Um, and the second trailer, like clearly was like, oh, yeah, this is a UFO movie. There's a giant mm. UFO chasing Daniel Kaluuya, you know, in the trailer. And I love how th- that's not it at all. It's something completely different. And the thing it is, is something that existed in like an episode of Neon Genesis Evangelion. And I could just imagine... I can certainly imagine Jordan Peele like watching that and being like, what if there was a massive, you know, USO shaped creature that uh, was patrolling and landing on us? What would that be like? How would we react? And uh, I found that just really fun. Like the transformations it makes by the end. Um, Okay, sure. It's CG. It's also beautiful. It's Mm -hmm. also like it, it is very like. I, I have never seen a creature look like that before. Certainly not in an American film. Certainly not in like a big budget American film. So I, again, I'm, I'm more leaning to like what it's doing uniquely and differently here. And like the fact that it looks so stunning and I don't know, the the actual, um, the the set pieces of where it was, like you know, invading houses and sucking people up and stuff, I thought were really believable. Like uh, when it was throwing Kiki Palmer around and stuff like it, it that looked pretty real to me. That mattered more. Than the creature it, itself, yeah. Did the, did the metamorphosis make any sense to you? I mean, mm-hmm. I, I at one point was like, is this the same creature? Is this like the mom of the smaller right, right, right. one? I is- don't know. Yeah. It, it didn't, it was unclear at first, but then we started to see it change. And I think it's more like when you make an animal angry, you know, or I don't know, you're at the second stage of a Dark Souls boss or something, and they just like metastasize into something else. That was my interpretation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but I, I agree, you know, I, I will say, you know, Divinger, there, there's a lot of cool ideas in the movie, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, the way that the, the creature, first of all, yeah, the, the, that it's a creature. That's a cool idea, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the way the creature is conceived with all these kind of like strings and shit, you know, like, and when people get sucked up in it and the screaming and they're all packed into it, like, that you all, like, hear them screaming exactly, as it's yeah. flying away. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah, that yeah. was like, that was my dream. That was like my nightmares as a kid of watching Fire in the Sky and Communion is like, what? would you hear the people like what what do you hear when this thing is flying by you just like it really does lean on that horror aspect yeah yeah i do feel like signs is a great comparison though you know because yeah. like i the similarly messy movie that is a fun it, experience it, i think exactly yeah, yeah. It, we're like there's super impressive sequences and ideas but we're like i i feel like ultimately the plot doesn't really work for me you know but Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. but it's not a movie that there's so much skill in it there's so many Mm -hmm. cool ideas in it there's so many cool scenes in it um i do respect it greatly you know sure so we we get to talk about the monkey by the way because it's like to me like okay yeah this movie is inelegant you can certainly use that word it's certainly clunky because we see a monkey just 
terrorize an entire sitcom, you know, the cast of a sitcom. Um, and just like, how, how do you how do you draw the line right between a bloody monkey chewing the faces off of the people he's cast with and uh, this monster in the sky? And I, I think it's kind of partially there, but the connecting tissue is Steven Yoon's character. And just have to say, Steven Yoon, like this guy is just doing incredible work at this point. And watching his character, there was just something like he was like uh, one of the people in Get Out, you know, after they were like brain transferred. Like he, he, his, his entire interact, all his interactions with uh, OJ and Emerald were just like kind of unhinged. I kind of love that about him. And uh, we, we learn like, oh yeah, he's a former child star. He went through this horrific thing. And then eventually I think we, I would have loved to spend more time with him. If the movie had more time, like I would have loved to see like what makes this guy tick, uh, what is going through his head because he is so tightly wound. He is so living among the ghosts of the thing that like, you know, basically traumatized him as a child um he he can he cannot live outside of the artifice of hollywood he lives mm-hmm. in a big town you know he puts on this thing for whoever stops by um he is so crucial to this plot too because he's the one that basically angers the uh the ship because of the whole show and everything and i wish we got like more connective stuff there because yeah. that was a little confusing by the time he unveiled the horse and everything but i just want to say like his performance just like this is a guy who can smile so well and also you're like oh you're insane you're just mad behind that and brought to mind like burning and how good he was there like that it is very much like the same vibes of psychosis in this character or at least some some deep-seated trauma that this person is wrestling through while also trying to put on like a human face um yeah, i found yeah. that endlessly fascinating I wouldn't. I wouldn't use those terms. Pers- I wouldn't use the term psychosis to describe him. Sure, I, I would sure. say. I would say obsession is. You know. Like I think. I think you would agree with that. That like. Um, well, it's there, obsession. There is, it is. It's trauma. It's, a, it's. It is like a traumatic response to this thing he had gone through. Right. There is. So, yeah. He he went through an unimaginable trauma, and he is clearly processing it um, via this bizarre obsession with, you know, cowboy culture and the universe of the show and so on and so forth. The thing. Mm-hmm. The thing. You know that I can tell. You know from what I can tell that the, sh- the movie is trying to say about that character is this idea that he feels like, you know, the the Gordy attack was the result of thinking that we could tame the untamable right. and exactly. make it into yep. a spectacle and a show, right? Yep. And that the Gordy attack happens, and then, um, and his mistake is thinking that he can tame the untamable, which exactly. is this massive, yeah. you know, UFO creature, right? Mm-hmm. And so. Again, you know, thematically that overall works for me, but, mm-hmm. but the, I, I, the, the I, whole attacking too draws a line between them because, like, the, the you know the monkey sees him, approaches him, and it leans in for the fist bump. Yes, and I got first of all that image is in the trailer too, and I was wondering how they were going to connect that um, indelible image, like something I will never forget. And there is also something about the monkey sees, like they're doing to you what they are doing to me. You know, we we are the same in a way. And that kind of struck me too. And given the way like this industry treats child actors, Kiki Palmer's one of them, by the way, and like the way people are talking about her and her career right now is like deeply, deeply infuriating. Um, but like there, there is that connection there too. That I found really interesting. And that's like, yeah, how Hollywood, yeah, you're trying to tame the untamable, but you're also like putting in many cases, putting animals through hell, you know, for the sake of our entertainment. So that is the horses that is, um, them trying so hard to control the horses early on too. And that's, that's ultimately the ship too. It's a huge blunt point. It's inelegant. You know, it's not, it's not subtle at all, but I, 
I kind of love the melting pot of all these ideas put together. Um, I love the boldness of somebody who's like not afraid to like just say, say deal with it. Like this is this is my idea right now. And I'm going to build a whole like, uh, you know, Spielberg-esque uh, giant summer blockbuster around it. And to me, it's that boldness that really makes me love this movie, you know? Yeah. Um, and I agree that the, again, love the ideas. I think the ideas are great. And uh, I love that Jordan Peele makes movies that have things to say, you know, like that's, I'd much prefer that to uh, a movie that's just a genre exercise. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, inelegance, a great word to use. A clunky is a great word to use. And um, I think the, those facts about the movie kept me from connecting with it in a way that I would have liked. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jeff Kanata, any other thoughts about the movie? I mean, I, I I feel bad that I've been so negative about it because I do I I am I do think the experience of watching this movie was extraordinary, and I think the the film itself is really interesting and different and bold and ha- it, it, like Davinci has been saying, is chock full of cool ideas. Uh, so it, it seems to be overflowing, and that's why I keep coming back to this notion that. I feel like there's there could be this longer cut. Excuse mm-hmm, me, pardon mm-hmm. me. There's this uh, longer cut somewhere that um, that just makes it feel a little less haphazard. I don't know. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I you know another example. This is a little cheap, I guess, of me to point out. But you know, we have that wonderful speech from Kiki Palmer at the beginning when she's like. You know, uh, hey, I, I, I can side hustle. I, I, you know, I could do, uh, I could do whatever you need. Uh, motorcycles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> love it, love it. If, if that, if that introduction leads to a goddamn Akira slide in a summer blockbuster, yes, <laughs> give it to like, me. Okay, all right. That's how that's how we're setting that up. All right. Okay. That's also that's right, how cool. that's how we have to exist in this world right now, right? Like yeah. if you, if you want to succeed in this business, you better have five freaking side hustles. Yeah. We haven't even talked about the TMZ guy, which just felt like kind of a joke towards the end but there was definitely some sort of like you know that that is a commentary too on like what they're doing but also like taken to a, a, a certain type of extreme but i was thinking about like um yeah the, you know the, uh, Alyssa wilkinson in her article points mm-hmm. out that the guy who made the original horse film yes. strip that's in had the beginning the, had the shiny it, thingy yeah. his name is edward muibridge no I'm the, mm-hmm. the, the original okay. guy who made the original horse thing in 1878 mm-hmm. his name is edward muibridge and uh, and the idea is like he's I think he's a white dude and like everyone, th- you know, everyone associates him mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. that accomplishment, but not the black jockey that was in the thing. Mm-hmm. No one knows that person's name. Um, the character's name who's from TMZ is called Ryder Mwebridge. That's that's interesting. Um, yeah. So it's kind of this idea purposeful. of like there's yeah. this guy is coming in and stealing mm-hmm. the thing that belongs to. Um, OJ and uh, keep, keep and specifically keep too, like the his helmet, which I don't think it's safe to have a mirror sheen helmet if you're riding on a motorcycle. <laughs> I don't know, but that that did evoke the uh, the mirror the thing. Yeah. yeah, the VFX ball at right. the beginning. Where would you just put that in front of a horse's face? Are you dumb? Have you never <laughs> seen an animal before, especially yeah. one that is huge and terrifying like horses? I, I think if one thing this movie didn't uh, uh, really emphasize the fact that horses are goddamn terrifying. Something we are not the greatest safety speech. Not the greatest safety speech. Um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Horses are terrifying, but you know the way the way that thing. It's and and then you read into it's like what's scaring the horse? It's the horse seeing itself. It's the horse reminding us like, oh yeah, I don't have to listen to these people. 
I'm a I'm a horse. I'm a majestic horse. Forget this training. Um, I do. I wonder if there's like some connection we can draw to the end there. It's not like the ship saw you know that guy specifically, but certainly the ship seeing itself is a great way to anger another animal. Um, yeah. I, I do agree. I, like I, I wish like the animal rules and the things like that were were a little more like put together. Yeah, we don't we don't know. Like, don't stand behind the horse. <laughs> don't stand behind the horse. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. idiots. First thing um, you hear at any uh, any you know carnival or whatever um uh i i want to i want to point out though uh i've been to that fries electronics that's, mm, that's yeah. the fries electronics in did you Burbank. find it did it capture the vibe of that fries uh yeah, i think all the fries are are uh-huh. bankrupt now but the that's the fries electronics <laughs> that one the alien one is the one right near the burbank international airport the bob oh, hope airport and, i uh, uh I really related to that character because that character was me as a teenager working at Office Max, but also me post-college working in IT, like really just like around the stuff, like somebody who is who has no real direction in his life, uh, but finds this thing he can latch on to. Um, I don't know. I, it's a great I think specifically. It's yeah. a great introduction of a character because mm-hmm. it's introduced in a way that many characters are that are throwaway, like yes, under five yes. lines. Like you never see that character again in the entire movie. And he becomes a main character throughout the rest of the mm-hmm. film. Yeah, well, yeah, very yeah. funny. Yeah. But I don't want to, I don't want to get another argument with you about this Divindra, but th- that was, it, it turns out the main quest of the film is to capture footage of this thing. Right. And uh-huh, to uh-huh. me, I, I just didn't, I had a really hard time connecting with that because of the fact that like we have we live in a world of like deep fakes wait 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 incredibly good cg i just saw you take a 360 degree camera on a bike ride (laughs) mr i i don't you wait you you don't understand the quest to get the footage no no no, 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 no. that's i i I would want to get it myself i'm just saying like the idea that that would change like what jeff said about like oh we we grab this photo it's like the the problem is that we live in a world where digital trickery can do anything, and so sure, that sure, sure. It further undermined that point that you felt you know you felt was not undermined by having a purely CG creature or mostly CG creature, right? So yeah, anyway, I, I don't know. Th- I don't it, know. It like, that that's the that animating mission of the movie, right? Is to yeah, yeah, yeah. capture this footage, and it's but like, does that mean we don't try to if 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 something miraculous or a bad miracle uh, happened in front of you? Just because it can be easily faked, like I don't know. I, I would well, still there, there's, there's literally entire series with multiple seasons uh-huh. of people who claim they've seen this footage, right? Like, right, right, right. And so it's like, uh, so I just don't believe, like, and yeah, that's the has problem. The world is the... changed as a result? Like, I just don't believe. I don't know if those guys know this. These people don't seem that connected. One guy is a ranch hand, like he's a cowboy, and his sister, his sister but is the, more. But the, yeah. the, the position that the movie takes yes. is they mm-hmm. did it. They did it. They got the proof that's going to get them the Oprah we moment. No, we don't. The movie ends, guys. No, but the, it, it's it ends right that there. They don't. Triumph. They don't like try. It's, it's yeah. a it triumph that they survived. I don't know. We don't know if anything happens with this because of everything you're saying. Like my my well, actual logical mind is saying like, yeah, you got the footage and you bring it to somebody. The first scene of the sequel to this movie is like that's photoshopped. You know, like all the all the way. I think that so would be it undermines a great the entire quest of the first movie. Yeah, I, I okay. I don't agree with you. Like, I think we are meant to believe this is a triumphant um, reappropriation of you know, like that they have triumphed at the end because they've gotten mm-hmm. the thing that mm-hmm. they set out to do. And uh, you know, in a world in which society has tried to take away the accomplishments of black filmmakers and people who are critical mm-hmm. to cinema history, like they actually did something of note. I I yeah, had a hard I, time connecting. But okay. the, the other thing right. is there there is a town here where 30 people disappeared. 
Like clearly there is there's physical evidence related to something happening here and whatever is painted. They check the blood that is painted their house. It'll probably be the blood of those people. I don't know. Uh, it's more than just the picture. The picture is certainly big. But I also, I, I didn't find any to be like, oh, this is all solved now. I don't know. It seemed more important that they survive this thing. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. All right, folks. Um, well, some obviously differing thoughts on the movie. But, uh, you know, I think what we can all agree on is uh, it is thought-provoking. And it is worth watching. It's worth checking out. It's worth talking about. Uh, yeah. In my opinion. It's worth so. watching in the theater, I think, specifically. Yeah. I didn't see it's, it in IMAX, but I'm going to try to see it in IMAX. Yeah. Sound is great. Uh, oh, it, it is yeah. Scores good. Yeah. yeah really, really good. Talkative. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's, it's worth checking out in the theater. Hoyt Vanto, Hoytama, that did the, you know, did yeah. the cinematography Hoyt Van, Hoytama, yeah. He, yeah. He's, uh, uh, I think he's typically Christopher Nolan guys. Yes. Uh, Christopher Nolan yes. guy these days. Yeah, mm-hmm. but he's super talented cinematographer. And at the end of the day, it's really impressive that Jordan Peele and all these filmmakers made a movie so check it out anyway that is going to bring us to the end of our nope review you can find more episodes of this podcast at the filmcast.com email us at slash filmcast at gmail.com our theme song comes from tim McEwen from the midnight check out his new project varsity blue our spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker and youtuber kyle corwith our weekly plugged music comes from noah ross this episode was edited by me david chen next week on the podcast we're going to be discussing the gray man uh, which costs over twice as much as this movie. Will It'll we have an interesting be just as a discussion? Good. Yeah. Um, nope. We'll see. <laughs> Don't spoil the we'll reviews, see. Jeff. <laughs> but it's you know it is the big, it is the most expensive streaming release ever, I believe. Yeah. Uh, and so Netflix we're going to see. Is like this is what we are doing in the future. This everything banks on this. Yes. Mm-hmm, good mm-hmm. job. So guys. we'll find out whether or not that gamble worked. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. And uh, thank you so much for all of our patrons over at patreon.com slash film podcast for being supporters of ours. We really appreciate it. Sign up for ad-free episodes, exclusive After Darks over there. Until next time, we'll see you later. <laughs>